Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Donovan Edwards, who scored the touchdown in the first possession, back in the game, and he's loose again. Edwards, off and running. Welcome back, Donovan Edwards. 46 yards. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Wolverines loaded with weapons in the run game. They go after their 1,000-yard rusher, and now it's Corham is loose. Blake Corham down the sidelines. They've got an angle. He cuts it back and finally is brought down at the 20. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Penix has time, watches, touchdown! Jalen McMillan, there is a flag down. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. It's a very crafty play calls down here. Instead, they just hang it this time with Cora. Sets back, breaks a tackle, touchdown Michigan. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Penix. Looks the other direction down a scene. It's intercepted by Sandersill. Mikey Sandersill has a couple of blockers. A convoy. Michigan. 
inside the 10. Mikey Sabristol. Biggest play of this defense tonight. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Man, the emotions from numerous college football fan bases and uh, even administrations have been quite the story the last, well, really for a long time. But today, a roller coaster, and some of you can sleep better and feel better. Paul Catalina being one, although that's like down the list of important stories today. Uh, but, no, seriously, uh, Texas with Starkeesian, that's official. Mike Norvell, Florida State, that's official. And Kalen DeBoer, after what seemed to be kind of an agonizing wait to Alabama, he has a team meeting in 25 minutes up in Seattle. That's official. Chris Lowe reporting he's been all over this since the Nick Saban retirement, that he will be the next head football coach in Alabama his record against Dan Lanning and also Steve Sarkeesian, 5-0 and when he was the coach at Washington, including, of course, the semifinal win against the Horns. They'll be playing against each other in the SEC at some point again. But Alabama gets Kalen DeBoer. And, I mean, whoo, uh, let's talk about that first. This guy's got an amazing track record, even though very young when it comes to being a head coach at the FBS level. Look. Some people just know how to win games. I mean, like they're good coaches. It doesn't, you know, I, I think sometimes people get drilled down, and congratulations to Washington when they hired him, and, and, and now, to, I mean, Alabama had to wait for him to win at Washington for two years, but, um, you know, it, they didn't have an opening either. But, uh, but congratulations to them for initially saying, like, yeah, this guy wins. It doesn't really matter what you do. His, his formula works no matter level to level, and that's what Kalen DeBoer's done. He's won everywhere he's been. And I know it sucks for, for UW fans, but look, this is the Jimmy Sexton will never have, and he's still going to be a wildly successful agent, but he will never have another week like this in his entire career, nor maybe will any agent ever, because there's no other way for a Saban type thing to happen, especially in college football, because the game's about to change. So not only have we seen the retirement of the greatest coach of all time, like the next person who's going to be in that argument could be a hundred years from now because of the way that college football is going to change. And it is, it's very, it's very strange to say that, but there's not going to be another Saban or anybody even close because of the way that the postseason is about to change alone, not to mention, um, you know, everything else that's gone on in college football. Well, congratulations to Alabama on finding your head coach. Uh, it was not a long wait, but uh, you got you what you wanted, and you got your answers as to what the future is going to look like, at least at the very top. And now the rest of the answers can start to get filled in as far as the recruiting class and the roster and the assistant coaching staff and all of those various things, although I'm sure he will bring a, a hefty chunk of resources with him from Washington as far as the, the staff goes at the very minimum. But he's a winner. Uh, that's that's the easiest and, and, and most simple thing to say about this. I mean, there's not many guys you could have gone there across the country, no matter the big names or not, that have a more impressive resume than he does as far as just winning football games. I mean, uh, 104 and 12 in his career had the five years at Sioux Falls where he's 67 and three, including three NAIA championships. Uh, played in a semifinal, lost that one, played in another championship game. So he was at the semifinal at minimum 
in all five years and won three titles out of five years in NAIA. was 12-6 and six at Fresno State during a weird COVID little period uh, there in 20 and 2021, but then got that Washington job and proceeded to go 25-3 and three in two years, including this past season with the Sugar Bowl win and then the loss in the national championship game to Michigan. But the Pac-12 title uh, had the Alamo Bowl win over Texas in his first year with UW. So, yeah, I mean, just an incredibly impressive uh, run that he's on and just really getting started, too. I mean, I know he's coached up since back since 2005 as far as a head coach goes, but it does feel like he's still on his, his upswing. And so that's something that I think is also exciting for Alabama fans is this guy's just – been good wherever he's been and he's also somebody who still feels like they've got more untapped potential to go and so I think that it's about as good as you could have done uh, given the circumstances and knowing that hey Dan Lanning if he was your first choice that was just not going to be a a go for you and then as far as all the rest of the names I mean who are we talking to because some people would tell you well Mike Norvell turned down the job others will tell you he never got offered same thing for Sarkeesian same thing for whoever you want to fill in the blanks and that's going to be all just you know however you want to interpret that stroking yeah that's all however you want to interpret that information yeah but the bottom line is is they got their guy that's what matters and now the real work begins to be the man that follows Nick Saban but as far as somebody who doesn't seem like they would be scared of that and they would embrace that and they could probably be the type of person to go in there and do just that not exactly what he did but good enough I think you don't have many guys above the list uh above Kalen DeBoer so I I like this hire for the tide and also at the same time I acknowledge that I don't think this is going to be what it has been as good as he is because it's just simply impossible to imagine that outside of like Kirby Smart uh, that somebody would be able to roll in and do what Saban's done these last couple of decades. So, yeah, we're about to enter a fascinating time period, and uh, this is already going to be a brand-new era in college sports, the expanded playoff and everything that's bubbling. But to know that we're moving forward and there's no longer Nick Saban at Alabama is just like that. It really makes it feel like this is just uncharted territory we're about to enter here. In the end, uh, who knows if they got the guy they wanted. doesn't matter. They got a great coach, uh, it appears, from what he's done so far, it is different. One of the notes I saw, and I forgot who tweeted this out, but was uh, uh, maybe Adam uh, Alex Kirshner said, the NIL at Alabama, one of the things tied into that was the representation of Saban, not just as the football coach, but those who were involved. There were perks about that that came with Saban, too, in certain ways. Uh, DeBoer did an incredible job at Washington, and that team this year was fun to watch. Now the question is, who's going to be their quarterback next year? Somebody who's already on the roster? Will it be somebody that transfers from another school? That's part of the deal. So Washington now is on the clock. And then think about this. Before we get into some of the candidates, Washington's on the clock. They'll hire somebody unless it's uh, uh, Ryan Grubb who's on the staff now, and maybe he goes with the board of Alabama then somebody else's program is about to be on the clock because of the domino effect of what happens with coaching searches. Well, it was very interesting that they announced that radio interview yesterday, and that seemed like he was going to shut the door, and that would be his opportunity for the big announcement. And we know Sark put out his little graphic last night, just like I predicted, and and everybody probably expected that he, yeah, there you go, that he would. I mean, and you knew that was coming at some point, some sort of acknowledgement for the public. Um, And never really felt like a real threat. I mean, you had to at least acknowledge the chance that he could look into that job. It is Alabama after all, but I think most everyone 
uh, figured that he would be pretty fine where he is in Austin and can carve out his own niche and, and not follow Nick Saban and, and can kind of just keep building on, not kind of, but can you just keep building what he's done so far at Texas, which makes a lot of sense. But there was that announcement about the radio interview. And I mean, what else could that be other than Kalen DeBoer coming on the radio to announce that he's staying on? Yep. And then that gets canceled and boom, off to the races as far as the speculation and the 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 narrative change there. So yeah, that was a a big uh, interview that was set up, and and the moment that that got canceled, you knew something was going on. I saw KJR like, yeah, well, we're reworking it, and and but that the writing was on the wall there, and and so the ball started rolling, and and here we are, and Alabama's got their new football coach, and yeah, now we wait to see what other collateral damage there could be. Although, uh, you know, Grubb seems like he's a, a solid candidate if they decide to go that direction and stay in-house. But, yeah, we will see. All right, so here's a, a, a few of the names. Ryan Grubb is one of them that Washington might look to. Jed Fish, that name popped up, although I saw where our good friend Jason Shear mentioned that he thinks Fish wants to end up at Florida. And if he wants to do that, why would he go to Washington first from where he is, especially after what they did last year at Arizona. So it, it will be interesting to see our good friend Softy Mahler, who we love, right? Stick your head in the tank of gasoline, light it with a match times two with him. I got to get off this emotional roller coaster. Think about the week for Washington football. They play for the national championship, they lose their head coach. And then on top of that, and we will get to the Norvell and Sarkeesian a little bit more with that in a second, Rome Adunze is headed to the NFL. The players that they have lost already at Washington since they played for the national championship include McMillan, Polk, Penix, Adunze, um, and there's also a couple of others on that list. They're, Some of that just because of attrition, eligibility, the NFL, and more. They're running back Dylan Johnson. Dylan announced Johnson today. announced today as well. Yeah, yeah so he's another one. They lost pretty much everybody. Uh, so that, that that was a factor on offense. Uh, they got cleaned out. Some of that. I mean, Penix had to move on, but uh, that is not a surprise, though. I think even if DeBoer was saying all those guys were likely headed off to the NFL after sure. the year that they had, but yeah, it's. One of those things that we were talking about with Texas, but it can be applied to anybody. You know, when they had the opportunity there to beat Washington and get into the national title game, a lot of the talk afterwards is, well, they're set up well. And I totally agree. I'm not dismissing that at all. But I, I was saying at the time of like, yeah, but you only get these chances so often, right? And yes, there will be an expanded playoff, but you were already fast forwarded to the semifinals of the playoff with the way that it was set up here. And so you just don't know when you catch lightning in a bottle, right? And as we know for Texas, like they lost and they moved on, but the same thing applies to Washington. Like hopefully you enjoyed that ride because it's not the same now. It's already not the same less than a week later. And so that was kind of my message back then is like, enjoy this while you can, no matter if it's Texas, Washington, Alabama fans. I sure hope that you enjoyed the ride these last two decades. I'm sure you did. You had plenty of time to let it soak in. But, yeah, you just don't know when things switch on a dime. And for Washington, that's exactly what's happened because – their reality at the start of this week is much different than their reality by the end of the week. And so, yeah, I hope that Husky fans really let that soak in all throughout the ride because we do get lost and, and don't just appreciate the moment. And they had a lot of good ones. But, yeah, now it's a it's a much different future moving forward. There is a little momentum, Paul and Craig, on the possibility of someone who might be on Washington's radar, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I saw that tweet. I don't understand that at all, honestly. I... I don't really get that. I don't know that I would be uh, super 
excited about that necessarily. If I was a Washington fan, I, I saw that from some account that put it out there, and I'm sure that they have uh, sources. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the person. You know, but, some people in the NFL, and okay, also even well, some college writers too. I, I feel like w- w- let's acknowledge first what all these rumors originally stem from. Jimmy Sexton's office. I think mm-hmm. that's been acknowledged all over social media the last couple of days. Of every guy who's been brought up is basically a Jimmy Sexton client, and basically every major college football coach is a Jimmy Sexton client. So when we see this, hey, this guy, it's it's you always go back to the agent. So. Uh, maybe that's Kingsbury's agent. Maybe that's that's actually some real juice there. But I mean, does that get you excited as a Washington fan? It doesn't get me excited. I I, I don't think that's the the route that I would want to go. But maybe they feel differently about it. All right. So Steve Sarkeesian, we mentioned that. Here's uh, Texas put this out. Sarkeesian coming back. It's a great day to be a Longhorn. There was a small, short, maybe twenty second or so video. So let's look at this. Everybody wins who was attached to uh, Jimmy Sexton, but also anyone's name that was brought up. And that's one of the few places where you could say, listen, Alabama's great, and it is the job of all jobs. But Sarkeesian with unfinished business is what also he mentioned. He came there to win titles, to create something different. And this is great news. I know our Texas fans who were in the chat room, Paxton did not sleep last night like Paul did not sleep last night. We'll get to Norvell in a moment. Good for Steve Sarkeesian, and he will get a nice little bump. He was going to get one anyway and probably add a couple of extra million to it each year. Yeah, and he's – I just never – it never – you know, the only place that could maybe wrestle a coach away from Texas would be Alabama. But, again, like – it's Texas. Like they've never – they've never lost somebody who's in that position that they wanted to keep. Sure. Uh, They've lost coordinators, and you're going to lose coordinators and other coaches because they're going to go get more money and better jobs, you know, uh, and promotions. But they've never lost. Like, if you leave Texas, it's not of your will. You know, it's not It's not like Houston or Baylor or some of the smaller schools where you can be a bit of a, a training ground for the next level. Most of the time, you leave, when you leave Texas, it's because they've run you out. So... I just I just never saw it happening, especially given what just happened with Texas. Now, if he had gone ten and two this year and they were still like doing the climb and he was still Alabama's top choice, maybe they go like, oh, well, we'll let him go. You know, we'll 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 go and get somebody else. But I I still don't, wouldn't have ever even seen that happening. I mean, there's only so many jobs that uh, you know are as highly coveted as that one, as you point out. And I'd say Alabama, if you want to sit there and look at it from a certain angle, you can say where it's a better job, but not by a lot. And certainly not necessarily worth uprooting what you've already established. So, yeah, this wasn't a surprise at all. I think you had to consider the possibility, and I think based on Texas fans' reactions, uh, that they all were considering that as a real possibility, um, even though there is that, well, why would you leave Texas? There was still some level of concern from at least some of the folks that I, I ran across uh, until there was actually an Alabama coach announced. And, uh, you know, at the same time, it was one of those situations where, yeah, I mean, he, you can't rule it out entirely, but it doesn't seem like very high percentages that that would be the move that, that he would make. So, yeah, not not surprising whatsoever. Not sure where he was in the pecking order of who Alabama wanted, but just like uh, Oregon with Dan Lanning, Texas can use this and is already busy using this to say, hey, you know, I turned down the Alabama. You know, I could say I was in the running for the Alabama job, but I want to be here at Texas, and that's what all these guys will do who didn't get that job or didn't want that job but were mentioned for it, and, and smartly so. 
But that's good news for Texas, and he gets to keep building, and there's a lot of talent to replace. I know they're already projected to get one of uh, Alabama's better wide receivers. Isaiah Bond. Isaiah Bond, and so that, that seems take long. like it's almost a done deal. Like they almost had that worked up already, but regardless, he seems like he's about to join the fold, and they'll keep building it out and, and see if they can't bring a championship back to Austin as they enter the SEC. Now, you can't just say Isaiah Bond. You have to say it. Bond, Isaiah as, Bond. No, that the way that Brad Nestor always says it, because Isaiah Bond never seems to make a mundane catch. Right. Every time you so hear like Brad Nestor, he's like, Isaiah Bond! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the Andy Mitchell factor, where it's yeah. like he doesn't make a ton of catches, but when he does, it's usually a pretty big a yeah. big catch. But no, Isaiah Bond was really good at nearly 1,000 yards. Uh, he's, he's a special talent and would fit right in with Texas and their – a bevy of talented wide receivers this past year that, you know, now moving on, it becomes imperative to to get guys. And they went and got Matthew Golden, and now you get Isaiah Bond, and, you know, it starts to all come together for you. So, yeah, that would be a big get for Sark, and it's a big get for Texas to know that he's there and there's no more worry about the Alabama job, just like for a lot of other fan bases right now across the country whose coaches were mentioned. And uh, Mike Norvell, here's the AD at Florida State. Excuse me. The AD Michael Alford with the Pope sign that they have reached an agreement on the new Pope or nope, continuation of the Pope and Mike Norvell. No question he was a part of the interest and on the radar at Alabama. Here's the the smoke coming out and then Mike Norvell. It's a great day to be a part of Florida State. That seems to be your say Sark did that yesterday and today, and of course Lanning had his video, and now Mike Norvell at around $10 million a year for eight years. Another Jimmy Sexton client and Seminole Nation. They've had a pretty tough run, too, and we'll get to that in a minute about the NCAA violation. But Paul Catalina, your man, is still in Tallahassee. Yeah, and I think for Florida State, this was... I don't like it again. Mike Norvell may have never got an interview. It's just Jimmy Sexton can float on all these names. And I'm sure Alabama, he's got to be probably on, if there's a top 10 list of who are the best coaches right now and who just had the best seasons. I mean, he's, he's won two different coach of the year awards. I mean, he had a 13 and 0 season before, you know, the opt out bowl game, but yeah, like he's one they'd have to talk to who knows if they even did or not, but he, he secured the bag. Uh, he, he, he showed that he's a, a premier coach by doing what he did this year. And with Florida State and their conference move that is coming up whenever it comes up, I mean, who knows how long this is going to take or where it's going to go, but everything that's kind of swirling around when it comes to realignment and the Seminoles, I'm not sure how well they would have been positioned to easily replace him compared to a Washington who set up in a con- – like just if you're – trying to figure out, okay, who can easily replace their coach. Washington would have a lot easier time in my mind than having to have a coach come in and go, okay, well, what's your guys' plan for whenever that happens? And they're like, we don't know. (laughs) But here are the contingencies. There might not be some guys that are as interested in it just because of the tumultuous nature of it and the way the ACC is looked at right now. So all that's, to me, I just think it would be worrisome for them to go get another one, although I could have been surprised. All right. So it's a great fit for him to stay. Well, he had a, a hell of a year and unfortunately did not end the way Florida State fans wanted. Not even talk about Georgia, but with the semifinal berth that they didn't get. And then late yesterday afternoon, I think right after we ended the show, there was the story about the NCAA. Out of everybody that's doing NIL, Florida State had their hand caught in the cookie jar, apparently, with a wide receiver at Georgia 
and they got hammered. I, I you know, I'm so, I thought they're so mad at Florida State they would like maybe penalize Florida Atlantic, but look at the violation or look at the penalties that FSU is dealing with, and and we're not going to go all over them, but the coach has a show cause, the offensive coordinator a three game suspension, loss of scholarships. 1% of their football budget, which, okay. But, I mean, on and on and on with everybody probably cheating their asses off right now in the NIL with tampering whatever. And Florida State is the poster child from the NCAA's view. Uh, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like they're pure as the driven snow, but I'm just kind of confused as to, like, when you read what he did, like, okay, so who's not doing that? Like it, so what happened was Alex Atkins, the offensive co- coordinator, offensive line coach, drove a recruit, uh, transfer recruit, uh, Marius Mims, I think, to a meeting with the Rising Spear NIL Collective when he was on campus. That booster offered Marius Mims $15,000 a month contingent on if he would sign with Florida State. Now, this is all against the rules. My question being... How else does this stuff get facilitated? Well, somebody had to have known that. Is yeah. another, is, it, I saw where Georgia might have been. I don't know who it was, yeah. but he was playing it, at Georgia. Yeah, so that happened. Also, they're mad at the booster because the offer he made was it's against the rules to yep. say it's contingent on you playing at Florida State, but why is a collective at one school going to offer money to a guy at another school if he's not going to go there? So that's why... And when you talk about that dreaded word and the overused word guardrails, this is why we need that stuff because well, what are we talking about here? Well, I know, but using the everybody else does it. You no, know I'm not that. using everybody else okay. does it. That's okay. like, yeah. so. But they got caught. There had to have been a text but, message or something. I don't know. My point is, is that like th- what he did sounds pretty commonplace. And so if it's commonplace, then how many people are doing this and breaking rules and there's like, well, there's no other well, way to do it. Maybe this is the first. Maybe because this it, is the start. Yeah, because based on what the rules are, it doesn't make sense by based on what their structure is, which is why they need to just pull the curtain back and let the schools facilitate this because how else is it going to get done? Mm. Are you just going to like, you know, make sure, hey, hey, make sure you sign up for the recruiting because – FSU can't say what recruits are coming on campus, so make sure on warchant.com you know what they're going to be, and then just hang around outside like a prostitute or something? I don't, I don't know. Craig, like, do you think this is uh, overkill? I think uh, the NCAA is trying to, to flex their muscle and do what they can to set an example, and uh, just so happens that Florida State's the one that I guess they had the enough proof to be able to pull it. I mean, it's a negotiated settlement. We didn't yeah. uh, mention that. Like, Florida State had to agree to these penalties, yeah. so... They had a conversation already. This wasn't the NCAA just dropping this in their lap. This was agreed upon, right? Mm-hmm. So Florida State said, okay, yeah, we got busted, and, and this these are the punishments that we agreed to. So I think that that has to be acknowledged because it would be one thing if it was just the NCAA says, hey, here you go, and then Florida State's like, what? And, and then they have to react to it. So I think this is just an example being set. I mean, they clearly got caught, I guess, violating, and there wasn't much of an argument against that. But my whole – thing with NIL and when I know people get bothered by the term guardrails which I don't really understand that I guess if you're somebody who's trying to take advantage of the situation because I do see a lot of these sports agents that like they're just anti anything that's not like just free you know everything and, and just everything's open for for whatever NIL 
and they get they they don't like it when people go well maybe we should have like a couple things in place like no 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 that would that would hinder this and that and and, and so there's there's always that party and then there's those who are just like well I don't like NIL and I don't want to root for college football if it's going to be like this and those are the kind of extremes and then there's everybody else in the middle that we would just like to know like why this isn't like just a clear process like why is a All guy right. having to bring somebody to a place and then but I'm not talking to you but you're going to be talking to this guy and I'm going to leave the room and I'm not going to know what y'all are talking about even though I know what y'all are talking about because I brought you here and set up this meeting but I got to pretend like I don't and I can't be in the meeting and, but then y'all talk what y'all talk about and then when y'all like you know what I'm like so why can't we just do this why can't we okay. do this in the open so my whole thing this entire time with NIL is why are people scared of the flashlights yeah. You know, why are you scared of the lights getting turned on? What right. nefarious things are going on behind the scenes where you are so worried about rules that it's not about the player and their free market and this and that. It's because you're still trying to cheat. Yes. That is why you don't want anything in terms of guardrails because this situation should be much more clear-cut. It should not be like guys having to leave the room at times. While you know, It should just be up front and out in the open and so that's why there were clearly rules that were violated in this instant and you know they got caught for it but yeah this needs to get cleared up and cleaned up a bit we will hear about a two-minute clip from nick saban when he was asked by rick reese davis not right now but asked by reese davis about what he would do with college football we'll have that for you between now and our 345 with grayson grunhafer also pat smith from wjox in birmingham will join us he was on yesterday now that the Alabama decision is final. Evan Stewart, lightning rod for a lot of A&M fans. He's going to Oregon with Dan Lanning. That's official. Uh, So, Isaiah Bond, it seems like that's just a matter of time with Texas. Uh, That is, uh, in fact, there's Isaiah Bond entering the paperwork to get in the portal. And I already saw some crystal balls with UT where he will end up. Yeah, he's probably going to Texas. They all go to Texas right now. I mean, but uh, it, it's kind of a fit there, given what Texas is losing. I mean, they're losing, uh, you know, all Mitchell of their wide and receivers who made a catch. Mitchell basically. Worthy, yeah. And, yeah, every wide receiver who made a, a big catch for them. And if you add Matthew Golden and Isaiah Bond, um, that's 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 a pretty nice way to to kind of make up for no. losing those guys. Now, again, there's no guarantees or anything, but yeah, if you want maybe more guaranteed protection, plus they got John T. Cook. Uh, you know, rising there uh, as well. So, and I don't there's think also miss... a player visiting their weekend. Yeah. It's a transfer I, portal weekend. Yeah, right? I don't think they'll miss a beat when it comes to wide receivers. They'll figure it out. Uh, but yeah, if they got Bond, that would be great. So, what what do you guys think about Evan Stewart? <laughs> oh, Evan Stewart. Yeah, I, I, and I, I start talking about Texas, but uh, no, no, I just brought it up as no, a couple yeah. of names. But yeah, I, I saw a lot of backlash. Obviously, fans at A and M are tired of him, and that's the way it is. If he was leaving Oklahoma or anywhere else, it would be the same way. Uh, a little bit of drama, hell of a talent, but he's going to Oregon. I mean, good for him. If that's where he wanted to go, that's where he's going to beat Dan Lanning, a hell of a coach. Good for Oregon to pick him up. Yeah, I think he's a great talent, and um, you know, not surprised that he landed at Oregon. They seem to be going all in, and especially after the Dan Lanning interest from Alabama, they are – I mean, pushing all. It seems like Phil Knight is pushing all the chips on the table. He wants to see a natty before he goes. That's that's just the vibe that I get. I mean, he's always been pursuing it, but I think now, like as he gets older, and everything, now you can really spend money, money, like and go buy a roster. Uh, I think that that Uncle Phil's 
all in uh, on on the chips on the table, and they're going and grabbing seemingly everybody imaginable out of the portal, um, and now Evan Stewart. So, yeah, I think that's a nice pickup on paper. Uh, I don't want to over blow this because I do feel like sometimes he gets talked about like he's already had a couple thousand yard seasons and more or less we're really still just going off of a few plays not to say he hasn't produced but no he really hasn't he produced. really hasn't compared to like the recruiting hype though he has 100 is uh, 91 catches for 1100 yards that'd be great that's what the uh, over two seasons they had this year but he's so, also no. was banged up and you know so he has and the quarterback some plays been a little bit and worse. the quarterback play was erratic so I'm sure that you know, now we will get the full-blown opportunity without the Jimbo drama and the offensive drama and the quarterback drama and the, everything else drama college station. Now here's a clean slate with a big up-tempo, high-octane quarterback and offense and all that. And so maybe this is where we see the best of Evan Stewart, but that's a really nice pickup on paper for the Ducks. And, and man, they are, they are living good right now for yeah, sure. Evan Stewart will be fantastic, in my opinion, in Oregon. I think he's a victim of very uh, – I mean – uh, of uh, outdated coaching. I'll, 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 I'll use that term because if you were on, you know, huddle of the film service, whatever, and all your A&M film got deleted from the week before, the two weeks before, and you're like, oh, no, it's gone. You could have easily gone back to any year of Jimbo Fisher's career and gone, well, this is what he's going to do on third and seven because this is what he always does on third and seven. And Evan Stewart was a little banged up. They had quarterback flux because the quarterbacks kept getting hurt because their offensive line play was atrocious uh, they don't do things in a modern offensive type way so yes I think when he goes to Oregon and plays with uh, with Dylan Gabriel and uh, Dante Moore it'll be better off behind an offensive line and a better coach like Dan Lanning all right so Casey Thompson remember him Texas does Nebraska does uh, where was he last year? Florida Atlantic. Where was yep. he? Yeah, yeah Florida you. Atlantic. And now back where he's from, Oklahoma, his seventh year. And it, it's kind of hard to imagine. Again, we're talking about good for him. Oklahoma has another quarterback in the room. But seven years, and he's now back where he started, where he played, which is the state of Oklahoma. Well, and that's – I think that's maybe the best uh, – thing for him to go be a veteran backup if you've got a seventh year and be you know where your family are all legends uh so he had you know bucked the trend by going to nebraska's two biggest rivals or oklahoma's two biggest rivals of all time texas and nebraska uh and then and then of course that year at fau but you know uh if you're gonna have a seventh year you know might as well live it up in a place that uh you know has got some legacy to it Good for him. Uh, congratulations. I really have tired head when it comes to the seventh year, guys. I understand the circumstances and injuries and whatnot, but I, I don't love that this is like multiple seventh year guys, especially quarterbacks that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. I'm just not a fan of that. I I, I think that part of the, the game of college football is that you have to move on at some point and you don't get to stick around, but uh, four schools over that seven years, too. I mean, he's done a lot of moving, and it all leads him back to where his father played and where he originally was expected to go because of that tie-in. And so it's just funny how life works itself out. But, yeah, it took a long road to finally get where everybody expected him to be from the jump, and hopefully he has a healthy end to his career, and we'll see what kind of playing time he's able to get behind Jackson Arnold. But, uh, yeah, I mean, good for Casey Thompson. I'm sure that the Thompson family is excited, even though they fully embraced him being a Longhorn uh, years back at the outset. And uh, 
you know, then being a Cornhusker and then being an Owl and, and now being a Sooner. So it's kind of poetic that it rounds uh, back to this. But, yeah, uh, good for him. And this is the the take it or, take it or go uh, final year for him for sure uh, with this seventh year. So uh, it, just interesting how that all worked out. All right, so there we are with that. We've pretty much checked most of the boxes. There's still much to get to, including our guests. We'll have Grayson Grunhafer. Baylor got a transfer portal commitment from a tight end from uh, Trigg, from Ole Miss, among other things that are going on uh, this weekend. Here is, we're going to do this. I know we're going to, we've got to get to Grayson, but here is Nick Saban in the interview yesterday when we were talking about the portal, FSU getting their hands smacked more than just like hit, like badly, like a principal at a Catholic school. But here is Nick Saban. This is about two minutes with Reese Davis and Davis asking him about the future of college football. Yeah, I'm all for the players. You know, I want the players to have a good quality of life. But I think in some ways, you know, all competitive venues, I don't care if it's the NFL, Major League Baseball, I don't care what you look at, they have some parameters that creates parity and competitive balance. So um, I'd like to see the players benefit, but I'd also like to see it be that every school has the opportunity because there's some kind of defined circumstances and guidelines that uh, makes it the same for everybody. I don't care if you're at Iowa State, University of Texas, Alabama, Ohio State, or Memphis State for that matter, they all would have a chance to compete. Uh, And I don't think the landscape that we have right now allows that. And I'd also like to see whatever that solution is, not eliminate other sports and other opportunities because of financial ramifications that would um, create where we can't have gymnastics or we can't have track and field. You know, 82% of the participants in the last Olympics were trained in college. So I think that development and the opportunities created by college athletics, if we can keep that um, intact, I think that would be beneficial to a lot of people at the same time, we in, improve the quality of life of the participants. So there's yeah, Nick, I'm all for the players. Yeah, there you go. That's that's Nick Saban. That's courtesy ESPN and also Reese Davis, who had that long sit-down interview with Nick Saban on Thursday. Uh, one of the things that I've seen about Kalen DeBoer and, and Alabama is a lot of it will also depend. He's a hell of a coach. Is what? Who's going to be on his staff to recruit Alabama? Alabama's like a handful of other schools where that in itself, by just saying that, will get players on your campus. But you still have to kind of know the area and others that will be on your staff that will be a critical part of him. One, first of all, recruiting who's on his staff now. Uh, excuse me, on his roster now. Like, for example, Isaiah Bond gone, among others. Uh, and they've got some great players, obviously. So that's the first thing. Can he get that done Will they lose some and then gain some because DeBoer's on staff in a different time? They're about to air it out at Alabama. Now they've done that with others, with Tua and Bryce Young, and they've tried to do it a little bit as well. But this is going to be, you would think, a wide-open offense that we saw at Washington run the ball 
but mainly get yourself the quarterback like a lot of teams do and let it rip. Yeah, I'm curious to see if, I mean, if Jalen Milrow does in fact stay, if, if um, you know, because who knows, you know, when a new coach comes in, uh, what they do with him, because uh, he's a lot different quarterback than, than Michael Penix uh, is. And, uh, yeah, it'll be curious. I, like, I don't think you should worry, like, when you got a coach that's been as good as Kalen DeBoer, you know, you hear it when somebody moves in, like, are they going to be so confused about where they live? Like, he's not going to go coach in Chile. I mean, he's 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 in the United States. He'll figure it out. And then, again, it's about, okay, who do I hire? Or who do I bring on this staff that is, is going to get me in the door better with the coaches that – uh, the high school coaches and the high school athletes, they're in this region. And those things will work out because, again, it's when he calls those coaches, he's calling as the head coach at Alabama. So it's not like they're going to be like, I've never heard of this place. So he'll be fine. Yeah, he just doesn't have the saving draw mm-hmm. that there's the Alabama draw on its surface, but then there's other schools that compete with that. But then there's the opportunity to play for Nick Saban. So how attractive is it? to now go to play for Alabama and play for Kalen DeBoer versus Ohio State, Texas, you know, the various other uh, rogues gallery members when it comes to Alabama and their recruiting and their competition. Um, but, yeah, I think that the Jalen Milrow part is going to be one of the most fascinating. I know the other day you were supposed to be at that Earl Campbell banquet and they had to cancel his trip because the SID that was coming with him was basically called into emergency like he had to be there to answer the ESPN calls and to set up the Saban interviews and do all these various things. And I was uh, thinking about it, and, you know, Milrow, too, I'm sure, wants to be there on campus and be around his teammates and just kind of take it all in, all the emotions of their head coach retiring. But I also told somebody, I'm sure his phone was already blowing up the moment that was announced. of Like, hey, here's so-and-so from so-and-so, like – what you know, coaching just like everybody else on Alabama's roster, Isaiah Bond and, and whoever else, all probably got those messages. But just in general, I think for Jalen Milrow, he's got that to to take on. But also, yeah, what is his future with DeBoer now as the head coach? I mean, is he the quarterback that he's going to want? I don't know that to be the case. And so that is a big piece of the puzzle that will need to be answered and, and we'll find out, I'm sure, in short order as they begin their pursuit of of filling out that roster, but you would think, based on just what we've seen recently, that that could be a, a pretty strong possibility, and then boom, all of a sudden, perhaps there's this super talented athlete that's suddenly in the portal. So yeah, there, there's a lot of dominoes that are just sort of teetering very slowly right now, but pretty soon you're going to start knocking those over, and the biggest one, just finding your head coach, was knocked over today and has now started the process of filling out the staff, addressing the roster, Milrow being one of those, and, and so on and so forth, and then also all the vultures circling to come and pick at the carcass um, and pick up whatever meat they can from that Alabama roster, so there's still a lot to unpack from Saban's decision earlier this week, but the coaching part of it, at least that that part of it got done in pretty quick order for Alabama, and they could start working on all those other things. Yeah, I would have thought that had this dragged into the weekend, you could really Oof. have some collateral. You're going to lose some players. That's going to happen no matter who you are when you leave. You probably wouldn't have. You, you would, Alabama was losing players when Saban was still the head coach. But I would have thought then, like somebody reached out to me, remember, this is not comparing the same apple. This is... When Solich was fired by Nebraska, Steve Peterson thought he could go out and get like anybody he wanted. He took 41 days for them to find, and eventually it was Bill Callahan, and that was a mess. And this was not going to happen with Alabama, but when you let Sark know, 
Norvell, whatever, know or, or even contacted, which you know there was some at least reached out to them. Well, it got to but a Then point. you got to DeBoer, and yeah. you wonder, like, okay, if DeBoer says no, what's next? It's not going to be Tommy Reese. His name was brought up. <laughs> yes. uh, you, that, you, and I laughed when I saw that. I was yeah. like, can you imagine Alabama well, you, fan who reaction? Who would it have been if, it was DeBoer, if DeBoer said no? Well, who that's was the thing. I, when he said the radio interview part, when he said, when the radio interview was announced yesterday, and you're like, okay, well, that can only be one thing if it goes through, and that has to be him announcing on Washington radio that he's staying in Washington. So, yes, then you go, all right, well, if that's the case, then where does it go? And you see, like, the Tommy Reese get, you know, put up there in a, in a tweet, that name get thrown out there, and I'm just like, no way can he be the guy that follows Saban. So that that would have been fascinating to see. It's like if DeBoer didn't take the job – what would have happened next would have been fascinating because there does come a point where that list does drop off, and DeBoer might have been that last step before it dropped off pretty significantly. Well, so, yeah, they, they avoided a bullet there. When I heard the Tommy Reese thing, you said, okay, well, it's not going to be Kevin Steele because he's not on the staff anymore and he retired, mm-hmm. and it would have been Kevin Steele anyway. Um, and you always have to have an internal interview. Like, that's yeah. – that's you, you kind of have to do that as an AD just to make sure you're not missing something. Like, you might have a diamond in the rough on your staff. And for Tommy Reese, it's his first – like congratulations your first head coaching interview is the, is alabama so when you go get other ones you can use this by as, the way is he even going to be on staff with well, the probably, board? Uh, yeah, yeah who knows I, yeah don't know that but i yeah. would doubt it yeah but yeah it was never like tommy reese you have to have an internal candidate it felt to me like they're like well we're going to talk to tommy reese that also is greg burn sending the information out there like we feel great about every coach that we've ever had here at alabama we're not worried about it no matter who says no to us but he also probably knew you know, that Kalen DeBoer was coming. All right, yeah. I got a note. Uh, go ahead, Craig, real quick. Oh, no, uh, I was just uh, thinking the person put it out there. It might have been just trolling Alabama fans. <laughs> I mean, there's also that opportunity of like, yeah, Tommy <laughs> Reese is in the mix just to screw with Bama fans because the reaction to that would have been just – or the reaction was just to the simple mention of it was pretty insane. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you've got to – you know, you throw a lot of stuff out there, and so you got to check a lot of boxes. And, and to your point, Paul, you know, you look in staff to see if there's a possibility there. But yeah, that that never got far down the line because clearly they didn't have to go to that point. But if they had to have, then my gosh, the meltdowns would have been uh, monumental if they would have struck out on DeBoer because who knows what would have happened following that. And you know what? We'll never know because that's not a problem they have to worry about. They got the guy uh, that they wanted. Just like everybody always does. They got their first choice and their only guy that they were interested in. And congratulations to Kalen DeBoer. By the way, uh, Jabbar Muhammad, who was really good in that game against Texas and a tremendous player, first team all-conference in the Pac-12, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, Rotad! I believe Muhammad, who plays corner from DeSoto at Texas... Mm is also his brother. He's a very good player. And he's a hell of a player. you got a feeling they haven't already traded a texture, too, so there's another one. He's at Oklahoma State, and then he was at Washington, so now he'll be at his third school. Yeah, So, but he has an open window, too. Casey Thompson says, step your game up. Our great friend, Softy Mahler, one more thing if you're thinking you're having a bad day. Softy, what else you got for me? My wife is leaving me. My dog died. My car was stolen. I have lupus. Just get it all out today. We love you, Softy. Good luck. Yeah, How but passionate he is. Just days ago, you were whining and dining oh, and I know. at the natty and, you know, rubbing it in, you know, Oregon State and Washington State and 
uh, Oregon and, you know, USC fans' faces that you're, you know, so he, he was living it up just days ago. But like we said at the start, it just shows you how quickly things can flip. And so when things are good, you better enjoy them. And things were certainly good at Washington here these last couple of years. Um, and I think that they'll be okay in the long run as they make this move to the Big Ten. But you sure as hell would have liked to have had Kalen DeBoer be the guy for a lot longer than than that short little stint, even though he was able to do a lot of great things in a, in a short amount of time. So, yeah, if you got bad news for Softy, go throw it out there so he can get back to, to being the upbeat, fun guy that we all know and or love. Or you can get on Twitter, tweet at him, and or sell him at 365 yeah. Sports. We love you. Good luck the rest of the weekend. When we come back, Grayson Grunhey for Sikkim 365 Recruiting analyst on Baylor, uh, Baylor getting a tight end transfer portal commitment. Can't wait to talk to Pat Smith from WJOX in Birmingham. On they got their guy at least. Alabama has a head coach in Kalen DeBoer. Much to get to today as we also enter the NFL playoff weekend. John McClain and Mickey Spagnola. Hope you've had a great Friday. This is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com. They're going to find out. What has created issues with you when you walk, uh, when you sit down, you can't quite be as active as you used to be, you don't sleep well because something's kind yeah, you turn from one side of your body to the other, might be your neck, knee, you've hurt yourself, sprained something, and your doctor wants a better look. Ideal MRI inside the Central Texas marketplace in the southern part of 35 in Waco is going to find it. And they're also going to help save you a ton of money. They have a state-of-the-art technology MRI machine. The Texan specialists are really good because they've helped me. I've been in that machine three different times, and I usually get a little bit, well, gun-shy with any kind of claustrophobic issues. They've helped me out. They're amazing. They really are. And it's $497 or less every single time. So you save a ton of money. The average is $1,100. Cost of health is, of course, very difficult based on your insurance or not. Dr. Rob Maxey and his staff have done an amazing job of setting up a place for you. It's worth the drive an hour or two to save the money and get the images your doctor and you want very soon after the time that you get inside the machine at IdealMRI.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. The savings continue with the Start Something New sales event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Right now, get a 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie Crew Cab four-wheel drive with 15000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. Or a 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab four-wheel drive with 12000 off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. Plus a special discount for first responders only at Allen Samuels. Come by. Let's be friends. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas, they have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Warm. Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. 352, Grayson Grunhafer, recruiting analyst for 365 Sports and Sikkim365.com, co-host with Craig on the uh, Bearcast, joins us. And so tell us about Michael Trigg. They have lost some tight ends. Tell us a little bit, Grayson, about what this means for Baylor, the pickup from the kid from Ole Miss. Right. So this was a guy who visited over the weekend, and 
he was kind of a, a later addition, I would say, but clearly the top tight end priority uh, for this Baylor staff. They even canceled another guy who was supposed to visit, but they canceled on him because Trigg was the guy they really wanted uh, at the tight end position. And, you know, before I dive into Trigg, you know, they lost Drake Dabney, obviously, to TCU, who had a big year for them a year ago. And then Jake Roberts uh, elected to transfer as well. And I think what you're seeing with this addition of Michael Trigg is you're seeing a guy who is clearly more what they want at the tight end position. And what I mean by that is just much more athletic, much more um, of a polished receiver than what you'd be getting from, you know, a Jake Roberts type. And I think because of that, you know, this was a perfect addition for them to try to make this uh, offense go even more than what it has been. They've been looking for offensive playmakers, and I think he fits uh, that mold of kind of what they're looking for as a you know down-the-field threat, a red zone threat, uh, and just an athletic playmaker who they can utilize in, in multiple ways. Now, you know, you look through his career, and he's had many ups and downs. Um, you know, really hasn't got it all completely together for a season. He's only played 15 career games over the course of three years at USC and Ole Miss. Uh, in total, has 330 yards, five touchdowns. You know, he's been pretty good, uh, has had moments of flashes. Um, you know, the two spring games that Ole Miss really dominated. Uh, when you look at, you know, 2022, he had 89 yards and three touchdowns, and last year, 138 yards and a touchdown. But it never truly translated uh, once at Ole Miss. And then, of course, this year, uh, he only played in three games before electing to hit the transfer portal and preserve another year of eligibility, which does mean he has two years of eligibility when he arrives at Baylor. Uh, but in general, you're looking at a very, very talented playmaker, a guy who was, you know, a four-star prospect in the 2021 class, a top 150 player, a guy with 49 offers from Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Oregon, Penn State, including many, many others. So you're looking at a guy with very high NFL upside. Grayson, how do you think the tight end position will be different in Jake Spavital's offense? Yeah, asked to do a whole lot more as a receiver and a whole lot less as a pass blocker and run blocker. Uh, and for that reason, this pickup makes a ton of sense, right? Because, you know, he has had moments of being a pass blocker and a run blocker, but not very many. And when he has it, it's not something that I would say he's, you know, really good at. I think it's a quality that he's still working on. But as a pass catcher, that's where he's going to be utilized a ton in the slot. Um, just, again, more like a spread wide receiver, slot receiver type that they're going to utilize in the red zone and across the middle of the field. Uh, yeah, just going to be very, very reliable and very different than, you know, what Baylor had you know the past few years with Jeff Grimes where you're asked to do more uh, developmental routes, a lot more play action, um, a lot more – you know, move, movement, a lot more motion, um, things like that I think are going to be – you're going to see less of it, even though you'll still see some, uh, but a lot less than what you saw, you know, with Grimes where you had a lot more inline blocking as well. So I know that when we do the BearCast, we'll reset all of this and talk about needs and things like that, but they are now up to seven commitments, and there are four on the offensive side are now uh, – five, excuse me, of the seven are now on the offensive side with quarterback, couple O-linemen, a receiver, and now the tight end in Trig. Grayson, I'm imagining they would love to have some more big boys up front. 
But uh, where do you see them kind of sitting as far as offensive pursuits go? Are, are they still wanting more skill guys after landing a tight end? How do you view that? Right. So I think you're kind of looking at it right now where there's three positions that are uh, I view as utmost importance based on how Baylor has been recruiting these guys, based on who they've brought in, and, and just kind of the type of prospects they've been looking at. And those three positions are wide receiver, the jack, outside linebacker, pass rusher position, and then offensive tackle. Those are the three positions that really stand out to me. I could see them taking two more wide receivers. Um, they definitely want a jack that they can that they feel really good about to come in and provide instant impact, uh, kind of like Byron Bonds did this past year. And then an offensive tackle who can come in and compete, potentially win the job at right tackle. So I think those positions are the ones that I'm really looking at. Wide receiver, probably the one where you'd say, you know, maybe they have the most importance just because there's a chance they take two of them. Uh, but I know the Jack position is kind of right there with it as they really, you know, they need to get better on the defensive side too, not just the offensive side. Grayson, how much of a relief the staff was it, although there's still a month or so to go, that Foster, who had been flirting with Texas and vice versa, is saying that he's going to stick with Baylor and sign with the Bears? Yeah, I think it was huge. And, and you know, I, I talked to him a little bit earlier um, this week specifically yesterday and you know we had a good good just exchange messages he kind of I guess you'd say laid out the situation um and obviously you know Texas losing defensive line coach Bo Davis played a a part of this but Foster already knew that that was coming and I, I really think you know as I've covered this story you know a big part of his decision was that he wasn't going to early enroll and so therefore he wanted to sign with the rest of his teammates completely understandable because they don't have a, uh, a signing day at St. Joseph in the uh, fall. So he, he was waiting for that, wasn't going to be able to early enroll, so decided again to, to just wait for that. But Texas, it just seemed, even when he took his official visit, it just didn't seem like he was 100% I'm going to flip and, and commit to Texas, which, you know, after an official visit would seem like the best time for that to happen. And the more that I've talked to him, it, it just seems like, you know, he feels like Baylor's the place for him. And, I mean, he told me this week that he's locked in, he's ready to sign and be there. Um, you know, that was exact quotes. And so, you know, I continue to just go by what he's told me, what I've heard from him. Um, and I know the Baylor staff has felt confident as well. And, and I know they really want to hold on to him because he's a very valued part of this recruiting class. He's my highest rated recruit in the class, one of the highest rated uh, nationally as well. So a, a big-time prospect, one that, again, they would love to have on campus and one who essentially solidified things uh, with me yesterday. And so we'll see what happens going forward. I, I feel great about it. I know he got a Michigan state offer uh, today as well. And a lot of people will kind of raise their eyebrows at that. And that's great. And he might add more offers, but right now he's completely locked into the Baylor program. All right. I, we got to go. And I know you do too. Anybody you think out of the weekend of any visits, transfer portals, what's the hot part now, anybody you think out of this weekend that will be added, by Baylor? Yeah, I, I mean, they, they got a, a few more guys that they're probably going to end up adding to the list um, that's probably going to be day-by-day type thing. But one guy that I think is important to mention is Nevada slot receiver uh, Jamal Bell, uh, also kind of a, an athlete, uh, plays some running back as well, a very good kickoff return guy, leads uh, Nevada history in kickoff return. So very good prospect and 
again, a guy who I think really fits what they need. You know, you look at his overall numbers and they're not going to blow you away, but very, very fast, very explosive. And again, has veteran experience at the slot. I think Baylor's in a pretty good spot to land him going into the weekend. We'll see if they can seal the deal, but he would be a nice addition as that second wide receiver in this transfer portal class. Grayson, have a great weekend and great stuff on the transfer from Mississippi as far as the tight end. And also they have a weekend where they might be able to add a couple more nuggets to what they need. And they are slowly, methodically trying to fill some spots and being much more aggressive in the transfer portal. Now, can they play? Can they make a difference? We will figure that out. I have some uh, breaking news as far as a decision when it comes to staying in school or going to the NFL. And this is tremendous news for Ohio State, who's been quite busy. They went and added Will Howard, and they also added Quinshawn Judkins, amongst other you know changes to that roster. But uh, one guy that they will be adding back into the mix, or just, I should say, keeping uh, into the mix, is their very talented running back, Travion Henderson, has announced that he is coming back to school. So they will have he and Quinshawn Judkins in the same backfield. And last year had over 150 carries, 926 yards, and 11 touchdowns uh, on the ground, and then 200 yards you know, in receiving on about 20 or so catches, give or take a couple. But very productive, very good player. And now he and Judkins in the backfield together. Will Howard's eating good. And, uh, yeah, that's a very nice announcement for the Buckeyes. Abuka's back, and they might get yes, – like, they've too. already got a couple of their defensive linemen back, too. No, so. they, no, they do. They, yeah, and so it, and, and uh, with a little edge after getting their ass kicked the last, uh, what, two years by – two or three years by Michigan. When we – is it three? Three or two? Because if I'm wrong, I'm going to get hammered by Ohio State Twitter. When, uh, three. Three, 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 years, three. Yeah. When we come back, Pat Smith, uh, ground zero when it comes to college football – Although it's also in Seattle, Kalen DeBoer headed to Alabama. He joins us on the day that the Crimson Tide get a coach. And this is 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com. Dr. Ken Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be. I've heard commercials on the radio and elsewhere or even on TV that testosterone levels in men start to grow, start to grow, start to drop at around 40 it can be a little bit before that. It may not ever happen to you. One out of every three or four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. The one that gets almost all the attention is ED, your lack of sex drive. It's just not the same. And that, of course, can be embarrassing and also very much create heartburn. But it also could be even gaining weight, your sleep habits, and your focus. Testosterone levels will drop in one out of every three to four men Dr. Kent Petty and his staff can set you up to get your blood work, take care of that for you. You go get your blood drawn. He gets the results. And if your testosterone is too low, he has a program that could put, uh, put you in a program to increase your testosterone levels and eliminate or help uh, the, the various symptoms that are causing you a lot of trouble. It's Dr. Kent Petty and a great staff in Waco at PettyClinicLowT.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Thank you. 
Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets, sirloin steaks, bone-in ribeyes, boneless ribeyes, and even prime rib. Cut specifically the way you want, the thickness that you want. They're all delicious. They have Norwegian salmon, mahi-mahi, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, variety of cheese, and several options of sausage links, and even regular jalapeno or cheese snack sticks. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, and ground beef, marinated beef or chicken fajitas, and always large briskets and tri-tip available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and tradition continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery, open Monday through Saturday. The Bauer Family, Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. He's been our go-to guy yesterday with WJOX in Birmingham. Pat Smith joins us on 365 Sports, also three-man front. Pat, yesterday we were trying to figure out just the reaction to Saban's retirement, and then all of a sudden I started to wonder how long this might linger, but Burns said within 72 hours, Crimson Tide have Kalen DeBoer. What's been the reaction in Birmingham? It has been overwhelming. There was a little bit of trepidation as the morning kind of progressed because once again, yeah, you had all these signs overnight. You had Steve Sarkeesian getting the extension there at the University of Texas. His name had kind of garnered a little bit of steam yesterday afternoon and night. And then you had Mike Norvell. The situation happened there. So as this thing was playing out during our live radio show today, you, you could tell that the fan base was getting a little bit nervous. And all of a sudden you start hearing the names of Davo Sweeney and maybe even Lane Kiffin, who very early on in the process, since Wednesday had not been um, a name that had been out there very much. So, But once it became official, not official official, because it hasn't been, Alabama hasn't acknowledged it with a press release, but it is done. But with the fans, they finally said, you know what, let's take a deep breath here. Let's take a look at this guy as a head coach. And overall, they are pleased with the hire. Pat, uh, he is stepping into a situation where 
you cannot equal what's happened with Nick Saban. Like, nobody probably ever will. And especially given the way that games are changing, how do you expect the fan base will give him any rope to find Kalen DeBoer, the Alabama coach, as opposed to be exactly what Nick Saban was immediately? Well, I mean, that, that is going to be the million-dollar question in the state of Alabama because a lot of these fans, especially the young ones, they do not remember time before Nick Saban. They, they don't remember the days of a Mike Shula or a Mike Price scandal in which he didn't even make it to the field as the head coach or Dennis Franchoni. I could go on and on about those lean years in which Alabama, it would take them four or five years to be just sniffing an SEC West title. It's going to take them a little time. But one thing is for sure, it's going to be important for him to try to hold on to this roster. Already 19 players have gone on the transfer portal after the, the semifinal game in the CFP. So now here comes the fun part. Who, what kind of staff is he going to put together? How is he going to be able to recruit in these shark-infested waters that is the SEC? Because as we all know, Nick Saban did it as well as anybody. He would do it 24-7. He would win a national championship, guys, and he literally would be in the locker room for a few minutes, and then he would be out on the telephone talking to a recruit, trying to get somebody lined up to either visit or to come to the university on a, on a recruiting trip. So it's just something that he is going to have to – maybe put in his rearview mirror whatever they did in the Pac-12. I know that he was successful the last couple of years on the field, but the lifeblood of any program, as you guys know as well as anybody, it's recruiting. So he's going to have to bring that type of atmosphere to Tuscaloosa to try to keep up with the, the Joneses of the Georges, the LSUs, and the Texases of the world. I know part of what I'm about to ask you, Pat, is part of the, the puzzle pieces that we're going to start figuring out here over these next few days and weeks, but where does your mind go uh, immediately when it comes to Jalen Milrow after this Kalen DeBoer hire? Well, first off, you see what Michael Penix was able to do the last two years up in Seattle, so so that's exciting. Um, you've already had some wide receivers, guys that are not in the transfer board because Bama had a big one going the portal earlier today. More than likely, he's going to end up at Texas, Isaiah Bond. But most of the wide receivers, they've gone on social media. As of right now, not even meeting him yet, but just looking to what that what they have done offensively over the last couple of years, they seem to be excited. Jalen Milrow has not really said anything yet. I think I mentioned this yesterday on the show with you guys. You know, the Alabama veteran leadership, which Jalen Milrow is a part of, they were very important with after the announcement of Nick Saban of trying to get everybody to understand, hey, look, you, you need to wait things out before you go in the portal, kind of sift through whoever the new guy is. Let's meet him. Let's talk to him. Let's see what he's all about. But Jalen Milrow will be a big key. You would think with the offensive hire of, of Grubbs, who, again, Alabama looked at last year, who was DeBoer's offensive coordinator there in Seattle, word is he's probably going to get the first look to replace him there in the Pacific Northwest. And if that happens, you wonder if Tommy Reese will be sticking around for a second year as the OC at BAM. And if that happens, I think that's good news for Jalen Milrow. But seeing the body of work of Michael Penix, I think Jalen Milrow has to be excited to know that you got an offensive guy, a guy that played wide receiver as an All-American. I know it was a lower level in college. He's got to be excited about that. What were your thoughts on him from what we saw in you know, the early season benching and, and all of that to what you saw by the end of the year? Uh, how would you, I guess, summarize and, and uh, describe uh, his, his year and, and what you thought after all that experience? Well, he reminded me a lot of what happened with Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts did, Jalen Hurts wasn't benched. Jalen Hurts didn't go through some of the things that Milrow did because we saw a little bit of Milrow the year before, but 
Texas A&M almost beat him in Bryant-Denny Stadium because of all the turnovers he had. But you saw a maturity with him. You saw a leadership role that he was taking with the football team. And as Tommy Reese gained his sea legs, so to speak, with this offense and what he wanted to do, you could tell the comfort level went up. His decision-making was off the charts good, only throwing one interception, having one turnover over the last month or so of the season. That was huge. So I think that at that point in time, that's where the confidence level grew with Jalen Melrose, and I think that's why the fans were very excited when he announced that he was coming back. Pat, um, they've lost, like you mentioned, 19 guys out, out of the portal. Uh, do you expect maybe some Washington guys to come with Kalen DeBoer? I really do, um, and I think a lot has to do with the fact of, of where Alabama's going to be in the next couple of days with the portal. That was another important way or decision that uh, Greg Byrne had to make in regards to making this a, a quick hire because they had to shore up this roster. And so with that being said, I think he's going to have to come in here because it is inevitable, guys. There's going to be more more fellas that's going to go on the portal because you keep this in mind. There's a lot of people that wanted high-end high talent, wanted to come to Alabama, not only because they wanted to be able to play at the University of Alabama, but they knew the propensity that Nick Saban had to put players in the National Football League. And they wanted to play for Nick Saban. So there is going to be an attrition. There are going to be guys that's going to leave the university just because Nick Saban's not there. I mean, it, it could have been you name the NFL coach that got dropped into Tuscaloosa this week, and they still would have gone on the transfer portal because it wasn't Nick Saban. So, Pat, uh, the recruiting of what DeBoer will now have, he's going to recruit players to Alabama. Most of his classes at Washington, he wasn't there long, are going to be in that 20 to 30 range as far as overall rankings, not that they always matter. Um, How important will the staff he hires around him be with recruiting as much as what he can do? Well, it's going to be very important, and that's why you know some of the staff members that's currently on the staff at Alabama, now Kevin's still the defensive coordinator. He already announced his retirement before Nick Saban did, so he wasn't coming back. Tommy Reese has still got a contract there at the University of Alabama, the offensive coordinator. You know, will he be retained? There's a lot of other really great recruiters on that staff. You know, some defensive coaches, you know, will they get an opportunity to be retained? So it's going to be very important for him to at least have a few guys around this program that has been able to go up and recruit against the big guys uh, in college football in the Southeastern Conference. Needless to say, Alabama's facilities, everything that he will have at his disposal will be off the charts different than what he had in Washington. But he did prove one thing, and that's the most important thing, is that he was able to develop three- and four-star talent and put his team at least, it looked like, about a quarter and a half from winning a national championship against Michigan. So that's what excites the potential for the Alabama fandom. Pat, you kind of touched on some of the nerves that were building earlier, but had DeBoer done that radio interview in Washington, like scheduled, and said, I'm sticking around, I mean, do you have any clue of what the next move would have been and how much panic would have set in Tuscaloosa? I mean, we'll never know, but, I mean, you had to at least been been thinking about, oh, my gosh, if this guy doesn't want the job, then, then where do they go next? Well, that listen, uh, you know, that was the thing. Once we saw this morning that that radio view was canceled because – you know, we thought, okay, he does the interview. You know what's going to happen. He's going to go in there. You're going to see just like Dan Lanning did yesterday or Steve Sarkeesian did last time on social media. It was going to be like, hey, you know, we're we're here. We're committed. We love it here. And, you know, let's move on. Go Huskies. But once that took place, we go, okay, there's a potential here that, that not only is he in play, but he potentially is going to be ultimately the guy. But if he would have ultimately said no, 
I had always thought, and I think I mentioned it to you guys yesterday, I, I thought Mike Norvell was the guy that on the original list was probably four or five deep. He was going to become maybe the safety net type candidate. But then when Norvell got a $10 million new contract a year at, in Tallahassee, that's when folks start going, okay, now where are we at here? That's when I think ultimately you would have had the names of Lane Kiffin and Dabo Sweeney. I, I think both those individuals were interested in the job. I know Lane Kiffin for a fact. He would have walked from Oxford, Mississippi <laughs> for the job in Tuscaloosa. He would have walked there, I promise you. But there's obviously some people that's going to make the hire in Tuscaloosa did not feel comfortable giving him the keys to the candy store, talking about Lane Kiffin. But that is a, an interesting story that maybe one day Greg Byrne might would be able to tell us. Because officially, guys, he never offered the job to Dan Lanning. You know, you guys know better than anybody how this stuff works mm-hmm. with agents. And so it's Jimmy Sexton, basically, is the puppeteer, the puppet master, when all this stuff goes on. So no job was offered to Dan Lanning, but he took the opportunity to get probably a pay raise and to get some slogans put it printed on some Nike t-shirt. And then likewise, Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, I was told yesterday afternoon that Sark, the first offer that Texas had given him on a contract extension, he wasn't very happy about. So guess what? His agent needed leverage and he got it because Alabama was interested. So boom, he gets a new deal. So man, that's, that's the tough thing to see what was going to happen because some some folks in the media were reporting names like Mike Loxley and Eli Drinkwitz and people like that. And I, I'm just telling you right now, that would not have flown. So somebody would have been looking to replace Greg Byrne if those were the names that was brought to the Board of Trustees to vote on. Tommy Reese wouldn't have been the, yeah. no, the yeah, next that, guy? No, 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 no. No, no, no it, it wouldn't have. That would have been, uh, a, a, Alabama, yeah, that would have been implosion right there. No, that 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 would not have happened. Uh, you you don't uh, you don't replace the greatest of all time with with uh, Tommy Reese. <laughs> That's just that that would not that would not have gone over well at all for yeah. for Greg Byrne. But no, think no. about the life experience he gained in just yes, that one interview. Exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that'd, that'd be unbelievable. Pat, I almost thought that it was going to be a baller move by Saban if this thing would have dragged on and gotten uncomfortable. <laughs> That Saban would have said, oh, hell, F it. I have an office here. I might as well just coach one more year, which I know that was not going to happen. But, man, if this thing would have lingered much longer, I think there would have been a clamoring for that. Well, yeah, I, I think so. And, uh, you know, one thing is for sure, guys, uh, you know, Nick Saban is still with us. Nick Saban did not die uh, two <laughs> yeah. days ago. Nick Saban just retired. Nick Saban is still integrated in this program he was calling players he was calling recruits yesterday he was trying to make sure everybody was on the same page don't think for a second that greg Byrne did not have a long lengthy conversation multiple times about what nick saban thought about kalen DeBoer. if if nick saban didn't think kalen DeBoer was a good football coach or an excellent football coach he would not even be in the conversation so with that being said i think nick saban probably was a little bit more comfortable with the situation but you know how us fans and guys in the media are. I mean, mm-hmm. we, you know, we start freaking out and we want to speculate this or that or the sky is falling. But for the most part, most Alabama fans right now, guys, it really is. Uh, probably three out of four Alabama fans are going to tell you they're extremely pleased with this hire. Pat, they, they lost Bond into the portal. He's probably going to end up. There's thoughts that he could end up right back at uh, – not back at, but go to Texas. And they, of course, are yep. able to pick and pluck and whatever – what about Downs, who was such a huge Nick Saban? How much influence, even though he's gone, there but gone, will he have on someone like that, who he he really loved Caleb Downs? 
No, there's no doubt about it. And and it's funny because we had so many people reach out to us and they're like, hey, please tell us that Alabama in this NIL world, please tell me that, that they're going to just give him whatever is necessary to keep him there in the secondary. He was very quick on social media today, guys, in which he was posting all of this potential or positive Alabama stuff on his Instagram reels, things of that nature. So the people that I talk to in Tuscaloosa, they tell me that, that he is he is good to go. I, th- I think the Alabama Athletic Department has made it perfectly clear, and I think Caleb Downs knows, especially with the leadership of Time Moore, who will get an extra year of eligibility because of COVID-19. He will have his sixth year to play next year, number 13 on the defense. He played the star position. He is one of the uh, team captains this year. He's coming back, and him and Caleb Downs are close. So the Bama front, as of right now, they feel pretty good about Caleb Downs staying put. Pat, great stuff. Co-host of Three Man Front, also WJOX in Birmingham, which is a motherload of a radio station. And also, thanks for your time and enjoy. Now, although you still have work to do, it's a never-ending deal. You can at least have somewhat of a better weekend and enjoy it. There is no doubt about it. Guys, always my pleasure. You thanks too, buddy. Calling. Great stuff. Pat Smith, man, he's really good at what he mm-hmm. does. Uh, there's some speculation that this is what people start following, like Caleb Downs and what he does on Instagram or what he does on Twitter. Uh, he's all of a sudden following another fan base or another players on Ohio State's roster. It, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not stalking people like that, but uh, we appreciate the information that you're sharing with us in the chat room. Yeah, I mean, that's just the modern-day flight tracker in so many ways. I mean, just trying to find evidence where you can that, that leads you to – uh, perhaps whatever the conclusion is, and that's more than a time or two been accurate. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not just randomness when you go and let's say you jump in the portal and rumors are you're heading to LSU and you followed like your most recent 12 follows are LSU players or something like that. You know, there's there's plenty of times where that's that's tipped off what, what move is coming. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that's just the logical thing to do at this point. But, yeah, uh, that'll be something to watch just like the rest of this entire – you know, a house that, that Kalen DeBoer is about to, to build uh, in his own likeness there in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or program, I should say, as opposed to house. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of things to figure out, and uh, that'll be right there near the top of the list. There is uh, also, when you look at who is the AD at Washington, is it Denham? Uh, where, how, where else has he been? And one of, the, <laughs> one of the other places he was been is, uh, I think it was northern Iowa when Kleiman was there. So you look just those are some things that one of the things I learned about high school football coaching searches, which, as I know, is a different level, is that wherever there is a superintendent, look at where he's been prior to that. And Garrett, am I right that if he's been wherever it is, that most likely there's a connection to somebody he's going to bring in or wants to be the head coach if he's wanting to change? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's exactly how it works. You know. Go the same process here with college coaches. Yeah, and so you know because there's there's a connection. Softy, I don't find myself angry. I find myself severely bummed out. We got to the front of the line at the roller coaster, then they shut it down. Don't really feel like talking, but I will at three. Going to be an emotional show. God, we love Dave Softy Mahler. Yeah, I I was ready to to walk down that same plank. I think I was. I don't, I don't think know if you I were was. ever in that position. I don't think I was ever. You never really thought he was leaving. No, I, I kind of did. I mean, <laughs> like, there were moments where I thought he did. And then, I mean, it, here's the thing about it. Because all the things you saw from him 
and from Florida State this week on, on Norvell where, okay, they've got this kid from Alabama and they just uh, signed another, like, you know, they're, they're about to get a crystal, they got a crystal ball for this defensive end that's one of the last, you know, blue chip guys that's not signed. And all, like, that would seem to make you think that he's going to stay there. But as we know how college football works, none of that means anything mm-hmm. because you are where you are until you're not. So, because... Look, Mike Norvell or, or Kalen DeBoer or anybody who's up for any job, you know, as long as they have the one they have when they're asked, like, look, right, he, I'm here right now. That's the only thing they can say. And then when they get that other job, then all that other stuff, because yeah. you have to prepare like you're not going to get it. Because if you're just walking around like, you know, I know you didn't watch it, but there was a very famous episode of The Office where um, – Michael went up to interview for this job at corporate he was never going to get, and he had like said these goodbyes to everybody. You can't do that. You have to prepare as if you're not going to get it. And so that's how you think, like, well, it doesn't matter if these recruits or people are coming in because if he's going to get that job and take it, he's going to take it anyway, but he has to prepare for it as if he's not. So um, Washington's number one high school recruit out of the state of Washington, Zadrius Rainey Sale has decommitted from the Huskies, a four-star linebacker, just a part of, again, the changes uh, when you have coaching changes. He might still end up there, who knows, or might end up at Alabama. Yeah, well, I'm glad Paul can breathe a sigh of relief. I mean, I get what you're saying. You have to keep working until you change jobs. Yeah. This is basically what you're saying. And so, yeah, I mean, they get a big commit yesterday, but it doesn't matter if he turns around and takes the job today. And it's all for naught. So I'm glad that Florida State fans can – actually breathe a sigh of relief and go back to what's important, like leaving a conference um, and figuring out a way to do that, which I guess is now where all attention will go along with whatever Norvell does with uh, now this certainty that he'll be around, and that should help them in recruiting. But, uh, yeah, it's a big-time day as far as announcements go because one of the best jobs in college football now has a new face at the top, replacing the face of college football over the last two decades. So it's a fascinating time, and – the uh, the moves are not done. I mean, across the country now, we'll see what happens with Alabama's roster. We'll see, you know, who he plucks away for his staff. And obviously, we'll now see Washington join the carousel and, and the search, even if they may do that in pretty short order and just go in-house with Grubb and, and make it, you know, a, a seemingly easy transition. But, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by what comes next. And good to just have this one big block uh, checked off now as far mm-hmm. as the Alabama coaching search. And so, yeah, let's see see what's on the horizon now. You think Washington will have a coach by Monday? I don't know. I, I Yeah, I don't, I don't know I, their just, urgency yeah. level or, or any of that. I, I, I would just be totally guessing. I have no yeah. idea. But I would think they'll well, move pretty Grubb, quick. Well, if you would yeah. think that would happen I mean, quickly. yeah, if I would think not, if it's in-house, then, yeah, it'll yeah. be done by Monday. There would be no reason for it to not be done by Monday, you would think. And you want to get to work just like – Alabama was pressing because we've got to get this done to get it, you know, back on track and get to where we're recruiting our guys and our staff and all of those things. So, yeah, Washington's got to have the same thing in mind of we got to protect our roster and, and secure that as fast as possible. So, yeah, I would think if it's in-house, then we'll know by the time we're back on Monday. Yeah. When we come back, Hall of Famer John McClain on the weekend coming up from the Texans in the playoffs and also a note about their special teams – and, and not on top of that, we'll have Mickey Spagnola in about an hour. The Cowboys, of course, hosting Green Bay on Sunday afternoon uh, against the Packers at AT&T Stadium. This is 365 Sports. 
Richard Carr, Buick GMC, Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on if you're looking to buy a brand new vehicle, if you're looking to buy a pre-owned vehicle, if you're just looking to get your vehicle worked on, they can help you out. And right now, if you're in the market for a truck, don't get a truck, get the truck, which is the GMC Sierra from Richard Carr. Power, strength, a stunning interior. GMC Sierra is the truck that has it all. And right now, there are hundreds of trucks on the lot over at Richard Carr ready to move at a great price. And you can save thousands in holiday savings on cars and trucks right now over at Richard Carr. With a trade, qualified buyers can also save $10,000, 10K on a GMC Sierra SLT crew cab. Plus, if you're a military or a first responder, that means you can save an additional $500 on top of all those other offerings. Restrictions apply, so you can see dealer for details, but... Don't uh, miss out if you're looking for a truck, or should I say in this case, the truck, the GMC Sierra from Richard Carr. Great options over there right now. If you're looking to buy something a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more warm, but still in tip-top shape, they've got a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks in stock, 100 used cars and trucks to choose from, all inspected with a 172-point inspection, so you can feel that quality peace of mind when you're in the vehicles and and you're on the road plus it's got that richard car seal of approval and the financing goal at richard car is always 100 credit approval they say yes when others say no so check out the dealership that's been in business for 24 years here in central texas and over that time has built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud central texans and proud baylor bears log on to richardcar.com today call now or go see them now off highway 6 at the imperial exit With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective, good. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to pettycliniclowt.com. 
There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with NFL Hall of Fame columnist John McClain. Brought to you by Pioneer Steel and Pipe, where customer service is their main focus and best in metal, steel, and pipe for large or small projects. With two locations in Waco and Bryan. Family owned and operated since 1943. Read John's work at sportsradio610.com. Man, what a weekend. It's the opening weekend. Everything goes up a level when it comes to the NFL. The playoffs, including the Texans back in it. What a what a run by D'Amico Ryans and company. We can get to Belichick. Chris Dishman now has a head coaching job in college. And, of course, just the, the NFL play and the weather in Kansas City. John McClain, Hall of Famer, joins us, 365 Sports. John, let's start, if you don't, well, let's start with Saban. Because that's what we've talked about the last three days. He was in the NFL for a short amount of time. Cleveland, of course, with Belichick and then Miami. But what was your reaction when you heard that he was hanging it up? Nick Saban was the DB's coach for the Oilers in 88 and 89. And I covered him. And that's the first time I met him and got to know him a little bit. And I thought his personality was so bad he'd never be a good college coach because he couldn't recruit because of his personality. And uh, he made me look real bad at LSU, Michigan State, and Alabama. And uh, he's the greatest college coach in history. It was a complete surprise, just like Pete Carroll was a complete surprise. Bill Belichick was not. And uh, there's never been a week in football like we've had starting Monday with Michigan winning the national championship. That seems like five years ago. And all of a sudden, talk about Harbaugh coming to the NFL and then all these resignations, firing. It has been a whirlwind like anything we've ever, nothing like we've ever seen or will see again. John, the Bill Belichick stepping away from the Patriots, uh, he's not retiring. You would think he's going to get another job somewhere. Uh, One, where do you think that will be? And two, will anybody ever really be able to equal what Bill Belichick did? um, I've been watching all the shows, and everybody on the ESPN NFL Network talking about how coveted Belichick would be. Not one of them mentioned his record without Brady, which is terrible. One playoff in six first six years, five with Cleveland, one New England. Then Jets linebacker Mo Lewis hits. Starting quarterback Drew Bledsoe knocks him out for a few weeks. Tommy Brady, second-year quarterback, sixth-round pick is forced into the lineup, and the rest is history. So Bill has really struggled as a personnel man and as an offensive coach, not defensive, he's really good. I think he'll give another job. He'll bring back Josh McDaniels. McDaniels did a good job with Mac Jones when he was a rookie and don't know if he'd still be interested. But um, I think that uh, I think Atlanta would be a good spot for him. Uh, I think the Raiders are going after Harbaugh. I think the Chargers are going after Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh will go to the Chargers. But 
there's never been anything like what we've seen. And in Belichick's case, I don't think he's going to have total power over everything like he received in New England. And it's pretty obvious he's not a good general manager. John, a lot of, I guess, write-ups are calling the Titans' decision to move on from Mike Vrabel this year's stunner in terms of the coaching carousel. How surprised were you by the decision by Tennessee to move on from Vrabel? It was a lot of talk, but I I didn't think there was anything to it because Mike Vrabel is a hell of a coach. Houston, Indianapolis, and Jacksonville, they're celebrating, and he got fired. And Vrabel could do more with less than he coached in the league, and this year he had un- – Terrible offensive line because of injuries. He had one receiver, no tight end, and he lost his best defensive player, and they cut his second-best defensive player, and yet they still won six games. They played six games decided by three or fewer points, 11 one-score games. He beats Miami and Miami by one, and then with nothing to play for, he motivates the Tigers to beat the Jaguars, which cost them the division title. So, He'll have more than one offer, and I would imagine a great spot for him would be Atlanta. He likes to run the ball. They got two really good running backs, including Bijan Robinson, good good skill position players, good line, good defense. They just don't have a quarterback, but he got the best uh, AFC championship game with Ryan Tannehill. He got home field advantage with Tannehill, so he might be able to get one in the draft. If I am the owner, Arthur Blank, I'm trying to get uh, Mike Vrabel, although I don't know if he'd want to go to Titans two times for two head coaches in a row. John, the uh, Texans, obviously, with C.J. Stroud, what a story. Who they are, 10-7, and seven, made the playoffs, and, and had to win this past weekend, and they did. Uh, then I saw the note from Ed, well, no, no, it was Rick Gosselin, who has always been a special teams stats guy. I love great special teams. I think it's a difference maker. It's obviously can hurt a team if they're not very good. Back-to-back years, they've been rated the number one special teams group in the NFL, the Texans. Greg Goslin, his special teams uh, statistics at the end of the year in which he analyzes 38 different things is regarded as the gospel of the NFL, not pro football focus or next generation stats or anybody else. That doesn't surprise me because I see them every game, but they play really good special teams this year. They've overcome injuries to the punter and the kicker, and uh, they're great in coverage. And um, they, you know, you never pay attention to them until they give up a big play, like when Kaini Fairbairn missed his one extra point this year in that indie game, and it could have cost them the victory. But it's been a very important led by the best snapper in NFL history, John Weeks from Baylor. Absolutely. And should be in the Baylor Athletic Hall of Fame, according to Jalen Petrie. John, did you know that they also – are you aware of Ross Matisic over at Jacksonville, the other Baylor long snapper in the league? He was just named uh, the NFL PA All-Pro. He's been voted the Pro Bowl. I don't know what it is, but it's like long snapper you over here or something like that. Yeah, Weeks is in his 14th season. He was there before J.J. Watt. He's never had a bad snap in his career, and he's a great guy. Everybody loves him. And I'm going to write a column for the Tribune Arrow quoting Petrie and say they need to put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't know how many Baylor guys have played in the NFL longer than Weeks, but it all starts with the snaps, as you guys know. 
And if Texans lose this game, people will be disappointed. They're two-point underdogs. And when they look back over the season, it's been incredible. Team goes from three to ten victories, and uh, people will be so fired up about free agency, the draft, next season. But I picked the uh, Browns to win 24-20. But if the Texans win, I will not be surprised. John, what do you think Seattle does for a head coach? I think Cowboys better enjoy Dan Quinn while they can because everybody thinks he's got the inside track to go back to Seattle where he coached for Pete Carroll before he went to Atlanta as the head coach. And he deserves another opportunity. It just seems like such a natural fit. Chris Dishman was a hell of a player for the Oilers. And now I saw the note he's going to be a – Head coach at Texas Southern. Is this his first opportunity to do that? Yeah. You know, he was at Baylor for a while, and he's been an assistant coach at a lot of places, USFL, XFL, college program, NFL. It's funny, the starting safety on the Oilers teams, Bubba McDowell's been the head coach at Prairie View. Now Chris is going to be the head coach at Texas Southern. They're on social media already taking shots at each other because they're such good friends. I can't wait until their season starts. It's the first time I'll ever pay attention to both those teams at the same time. John, we got a Saturday doubleheader, a Sunday tripleheader, and then a special Monday night football broadcast. Which game or two are you most looking forward to seeing uh, outside of the, the Texans, obviously? Well, most people are fired up about seeing the Rams at Matthew Stafford go back to Detroit, and I am. But when I see Packers and Cowboys, mm-hmm. I see the Ice Bowl. I see the Packers beating the Cowboys in the championship game before it was the Super Bowl, and it brings back so many memories. That's the one I'm looking for the most. And I actually subscribe to the Peacock Network, and I can't tape them, so I'm going to be writing, And I'm, but I'm curious about the weather. I love cold weather games, bad weather. They're asking fans to come shovel snow for $20 an hour in Buffalo. And uh, so – that's what playoff football is for in January. It's the second – well, it is the greatest time of the year. The first one's big, of course. But uh, I can't wait to see how it plays out in Kansas City and Buffalo. How much does Kansas City on the Peacock Network, how much of a brilliant move is that as well for all the – whatever they call the Taylor Swift fans? Swifties. You need to know that. Yeah, yeah come on. Yeah. The Swifties. Yeah, I that. thought that was Swifties. what I mopped my kitchen with, the Swifties. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they would never admit that. But all those fans of hers that are just incredibly devoted, no telling how many of them are going to subscribe just for a chance to get glimpses of her in the suite. Mm. And you know the NFL is going to do it because they're not stupid. They know people have signed up. It's for like $5.00. You know, and uh, I think it's brilliant marketing. Hey, John, are you, I mean, are you a Swifty? Yeah, I like Taylor Swift. I like her music, but I especially like her personality, all the stories I've read about how good she is to her band. She gave millions of dollars to the people that drive the trucks, load and unload off that Eras tour. She does great things for people. She seems to be just such a first-class person. She treats everybody great. How or what was the coldest game you can remember covering? Um, Well, I did not cover that playoff game between San Diego and Cincinnati. And Cincinnati, which is the coldest on record for wind chill, 
got down to minus 60. I was smart enough to go to a game with warm weather then, but I watched that one. And uh, uh, I think the coldest I've ever been to at Green Bay, it was three degrees at kickoff, New England playoff game. It was five degrees at kickoff, which is still the coldest game at New England. But I've never been to one where the temperature was below zero at kickoff. Yeah. It, uh, did you go to the last game at Floyd Casey with Baylor in Texas? I know it wasn't zero. Yeah, but I, it wore, was... I'm, oh. I wore tennis shoes. I don't know what I was thinking, and my feet were frozen. And being on ice, that is the coldest game I've ever sat in a stand. Oh. And I told my wife, Carol, we got to get out of here, but I don't think I can walk. Thank you, John. We appreciate you as Thank always. Thank you, guys. Thank them bears. John McClain, Hall of Fame columnist with us on a many things NFL playoffs. Mickey will join us at 525 or so on the Cowboys and Packers on Sunday afternoon. All right, here's what he was talking about, Buffalo. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. They're they're supposed to get like a foot a night, like every night until Sunday but that's, at one o'clock. That's snow, and it will be cold because there's always going to win. Well, to yes. throw a little um, log on the fire here, uh, the governor of New York has declared a state of emergency right now because the snow and the wind is going to be so bad. Now Sunday it's supposed to be okay, but the thing is you've got to be able to get from where you are Saturday night to the stadium on Sunday Night. morning. Yes. So that is the issue, I think, that they're monitoring there for that game between the Steelers and the Bills. Uh, but I really, really do hope that everything's okay so we get to see a legit snow game in the playoffs. Yeah, and of course, we will I, in Kansas City I, I either way. I will watch a game if it's two nobodies playing that suck if it's snowing. Uh, And then, of course, that doesn't include like the one we said on Peacock with the Chiefs and Dolphins. Think about this. You're a Miami Dolphin, and you're going to be playing in minus possibly 30-degree windshield. Um, Man, and I'm old enough to remember the ice bowl with the Packers and the Cowboys and Bart Starr, Jerry Kramer, Jethro Pugh, and all those individuals in when Green Bay won in a quarterback sneak to win the game. That's Probably, the, I mean, that and the fact you're playing Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but that's a huge reason why losing that game to Buffalo last week yep. stings so hard for yep. the Dolphins, Absolutely. who have no, like, warm bodies left on defense. They're, yep. They've got so many injuries over there. All right, 447 is the time. We're going to come back and try to get to the uh, stop rate. Try to get to the stop rate with Max Olsen, the final defensive stop rate. Where was everybody in the top 10, the Big 10? Did they dominate it? couple of surprises and then we'll have uh, James Crepia from the Oregonian he covers Oregon and what's been like there this week his thoughts even on Kalen DeBoer leaving Washington uh, and also of course Dan Lanning remaining with the Ducks in Oregon this is 365 Sports. It's the Start Something New sales event at Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat on the Loop in Waco and also starting the 2024 kickoff. Outstanding year-end closeout deals last month. Huge savings on some of the most versatile and luxurious vehicles in the market now. 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie Crew Cab with 15000 below MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. Or how about the 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab 12000 below MSRP 
or 2.9% for 72 months. And the Jeep deals will blow your mind. 2023 Gladiator Overland, $13,185 off MSRP. And every 2023 Gladiator gets 15% off MSRP. Amazingly hot deals include the Grand Cherokee, best-selling SUV ever, and all the 2023 models are 10% below MSRP. The 2023 Jeep Compass and Jeep Renegades are also 10% off and below MSRP. Don't wait too long. The incentives expire on January 16th, so you have a couple of weeks to do that. Inventory dwindling, time is running out, but what a great start to the year. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Loop 340, east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance BankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Developed by Startup Waco, a nonprofit organization, GXG is a program designed to support the entrepreneurial development of Baylor University student-athletes through NIL activations. The program helps student-athletes maximize their platforms and offers a comprehensive support system for them to create and grow new businesses that
that not only benefit themselves, but also uplift the local economy. Fans who wish to support student-athletes can donate to GXG via the GXG NIL Fund. BaylorBears.com slash GXG. Contributions to support NIL activations through GXG can be made at BaylorBears.com slash GXG. For more information, follow at GXG underscore GreenXGold on social media and visit the official website www.gxg.startupwaco.com. GXG, empowering student-athlete entrepreneurship and uplifting the local economy through NIL activations. This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 superfan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. All right, so the uh, college football season is over. Michigan with that great defense, the run game, etc. Did Michigan win a title? I forgot after the last yeah, few they, days. Yeah, it, uh, it has been like almost, oh, really? So Max Olsen started this. It's really, really good. It's called the stop rate. It is when you take the best defenses in college football at getting stops and preventing sports uh, points on drives. Michigan led the way. The first four teams are all from the Big Ten. Iowa, obviously, in the middle of that. SMU, five. Then you have Miami of Ohio, Notre Dame, Jacksonville State, Clemson, and Troy. So those are the top ten. FSU fell down the list after the bowl game. No, but not not very far. I'm going (laughs) to give you guys a chance to kind of. But here's one of the great stats about the Michigan defense. This is from Max. They played from behind on defense. They had 863 snaps, only 13 snaps was the defense on the field, and they trailed slightly and briefly against Rutgers and then against Alabama in the semifinal game. Yeah, 13 I, out of 863. They, they really did have a, a magical and dominant season, and, and um, it, it was crazy from the beginning, and uh, their defense was just so punishing. And, and I think like because they play, like because of their first part of their schedule – you know, you, you there was nothing really spectacular. You didn't see these kind of like spectacular, crazy, you know, Alabama or Georgia SEC type plays from their defense. They were just so remarkably efficient, you know, and then it kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And then when you see them play against the other top teams, that efficiency just, you know, grinds you into dust. Yep. You know, they didn't really ride too much of a roller coaster. No. They were just solid throughout. And other teams had their big second quarter or their big whatever. Michigan was just steady and just wore you, wore you down and, and beat you down. And uh, they were very impressive. And uh, they are, you know, your natty champs for uh, for a reason because they were able to just continue doing that throughout the year. And uh, then got into crunch time. And, you know, they were very close. I mean, look, Jalen Milrow <laughs> – Nearly knocked them out of the, the national title game there yep. um, and, and Alabama, but they were able to, to fend off that effort and then go and, and really put their foot down against Washington and, and leave no doubts about who the better team was. I you know, wish Washington was able to connect on some more big plays just to make it more of an interesting game in the long run, but that's not one of those where I was like, yeah, the better team lost. And, no, nah, I mean, Michigan was the better team. And I understand there's all of the other extracurricular conversation about, you know, their road to that. But it is what it is for, for those who don't want to acknowledge it or, 
feel like it's it's not what it's uh, made out to be. I mean, bottom line is they're the nas- national champions, and that's not going to change, and that's going to be in the record book. So congrats to the Wolverines. And I think that, you know, I don't, I don't get uh, – I, I don't uh, – get too wound up in the the stop rate. I know it's a it's a favorite of yours, but what is noticeable to me is that all of those Big Ten schools at the top, I mean, there's about to be an influx, and, and we'll see with Washington now, with Kalen DeBoer uh, gone, because that was about to be a high-octane mm-hmm. offense rolling in, and maybe it still will be if they retain Grubb and promote him, and, and they'll roll in. But uh, with Oregon, Washington, and with Washington, yep. and with USC, and with UCLA, uh, this whole three yards in a cloud of dust thing is going to see a little bit of a, of a different look now throughout the league. And how does that work? I mean, does that mean that those schools uh, get slowed down a bit when it comes to their offenses? Or does the reverse happen? And now we see some of these defenses who have been able to just play old school smash mouth football most of the time. Uh, does that, you know, continue or does that get kind of a flipped because Wisconsin's you know trying to run the air raid and now here come these four and so does that does that uh, sink its teeth into the Big Ten style of play at all I'm just I'm kind of fascinated by all of that because it's it's different worlds colliding in conference play it'd be one thing when it's just these one-offs and you get these styles clashes for a Saturday here and there but this is like meshing all together and so how does that all work in such a big league like this it's going to be fascinating to see kind of what's successful uh, what remains the case and and you know just how different the the action looks throughout the big 10 garrett 131 teams on this list where do you think lsu was oh god i would say in the 80s probably at least too low i'm gonna do high low with garrett 131 teams i'm not trying to say 131 to say you 131 then i would say okay um 103. 102. Tie. Well, actually, they were 102 and 3. Kansas and LSU were 102 Makes tied. Sense. That's about right. Yeah. They were Here's terrible. one. Nice USC. Another yeah. name that we need to be admitted yeah. so that, long as the Washington job drags out. You yeah. Know. Uh, Colorado, not a surprise, 105. USC, 107. Uh, Arizona, 33. Just some random, well, not random. Washington was 50, which was good enough because of their offense. Well, Arizona just lost their DC to Texas. There you go. Mm-hmm. Georgia and Florida State, 13 and 14. Yeah, Florida State was up there in the top uh, five uh, as they were ending. I wonder this. if the bowl game just like. Well, I mean, it was nine drives yeah. in a row that they just you mean like. The 1,000 points they surrendered yes, uh, affected I mean, their numbers. Yeah. yeah I, would, I, I would think that, you know, the football equivalent of actually like. Being in a wood chipper. Yeah. No, this that, was, yeah, was that's one of those things where yeah, they put the tree limbs in. <laughs> have you ever seen Fargo? Right. Like yeah. the end yeah. of Fargo, Steve yeah. Buscemi's yeah. leg is just in the wood chipper and just spitting out blood. Boilers. That game. All right. <laughs> that only came out 27 years ago, Paul. People <laughs> yeah. still waiting to watch that. Utah yeah. coming to the Big 12 next year, 16. Nebraska with Matt Rule and uh, White, who did a great job, 17. Texas, 21. Alabama, 22. Oklahoma was 30, which is uh, a big jump. I'm sure from the year before. A&M could not do much on offense, but they were 31st. Here's a couple of others of interest. Top 50 also included Iowa State, Kansas State. Um, West Virginia, 62. Oklahoma State, 57. And uh, teams above 100 include TCU, Kansas, LSU, UCF, Colorado, USC, Houston, Cincinnati, Baylor, and Arizona State. They all got to get better. Obviously, Aranda knows that taking over the defense on a much more uh, a, a much much more basis. Texas Tech was 68. So there you are with the uh, stop break. 
Not a surprise. There's nobody on that list like, oh, that's a little bit higher than I thought, or that's a lot lower than I thought. It's pretty much what you thought. All right, when we come back, James Crepia covers Oregon, covers the what's left of the Pac-12, his thoughts about DeBoer at Washington, any candidates that he has heard about, but also the Dan Lanning staying at Oregon uh, and what it means. This is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels. Nope, nope, nope. Waco Custom Marketplace. Sorry about that. Ryan Bauer uh, and I trade text about once a week on many things, just college sports and, and just to cut, he's a big sports fan. But one of the things that he also is, is the owner of Waco Custom Marketplace at 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Full service butcher shop, full service bakery. And, and then also in between what you need, the necessities of kind of a combination of a local grocery store and even what you need if you got to go run and get something at a convenience store. It, it could be like bags of pasta. It could be fresh baked bread because of the bakery. Uh, obviously, they even have cans of Rotel tomatoes if you're going to make some sort of a dip this weekend to watch some NFL football. And seasoning, sauces, marinades. They have tubs inside. When you walk towards the back of the butcher shop, tubs of brisket and tri-tip. They have seafood, pork, poultry, and beef. Lobster tails, too. And there's a little coffee shop that you have a drive through outside of the window if you want something to warm yourself up, especially with the weather coming in around the area. It's Brian Bauer and the Bauer family. Tradition. They feed the restaurants with their food and their product. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon-wrapped fillets, sirloin steaks, bone-in ribeyes, boneless ribeyes, and even prime rib. Cut specifically the way you want, the thickness that you want. They're all delicious. They have Norwegian salmon, mahi-mahi, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey, variety of cheese, and several options of sausage and even regular jalapeno or cheese snack sticks. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, and ground beef. Marinated beef or chicken fajitas. And always large briskets and tri-tip available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and tradition continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, a full-service butcher shop and bakery, open Monday through Saturday. The Bauer family, Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco, or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254 759 Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. 
TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. James Krepia covers Oregon for the Oregonian. Been a busy week with the Dan Lanning news, of course, with also what's going on with Alabama now with Kalen DeBoer, his thoughts about what the Huskies should do. James, with Craig and Paul, I'm David Smoke. James, thanks for your time. It's been a while. Uh, what was the reaction when Dan Lanning said he was coming back? Well, I think for, obviously, for a lot of fans, uh, jubilation, excitement, I would say to a certain degree, validation even. And I say validation because validation in their belief in him, because he's been, he said these things before, but before it wasn't Alabama. So this was, to me, this was really the, obviously the biggest test. Yes, Texas A&M was obviously earlier in the year, but you know, Auburn or A&M had interest and he shot them down. Frankly, he shot Auburn down, I think before they even had a chance to pick up the phone. Uh, hmm. But with Alabama, it's a conversation starter, and, and you know it's a, it's a different situation for nearly everybody. So for him to once again, you know, remain steadfast and stay here, whether there was or wasn't ever communication, an offer, an initial contact, or anything, is not even the point. It's to come out and say so emphatically, and to do it in the fashion that he did, where he turns it into a recruiting win. Not only, hey, am I staying? 
hey, if you're worried, if you're a player anywhere else and you're thinking you're worried about your coach leaving for a better job, come play for us. That's a very different, like, where have you seen that before? Um, particularly from a West Coast school. So that's where I say there's, yes, the excitement and all those things, which they've felt before when Lanning has certainly had his main connection to other jobs. And by the way, these all these connections are from people like us and people on the outside. It's never Dan or, or anybody close to Dan necessarily being the, the culprit behind any of that. Be that all as it may. Yeah, it's that kind of excitement from fans. And then you compound it with a week that began where they had to watch a national championship, their rival was playing a national championship game and hope that they didn't win. Uh, and then turn it around to, oh, is their head coach going to leave? No, he's not leaving. And now that rival's head coach is leaving. Uh, it's been quite the week for Oregon fans. James, uh, with the rival leaving, with Kalen DeBoer going to Alabama, um, what do you think that UW does to replace him? And again, they they uh, they they have to kind of swing a little bigger, maybe than they would have in past years because they're moving to the Big Ten now. And you know, we just talked about Dan Lanning has said, like you know, you're going to have to pry me out of here, uh, you know, over my cold dead body. It appears uh, that that's how much he loves being at Oregon. Well, it's, it's a tough spot for a lot of ways. Uh, forget about just the, the, the rival he has to play annually uh, or, or even moving to the Big Ten for that matter and, and the more difficult schedule that will come with that. That's, I mean, everybody in the league can now say that. You know, the, 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 look, the Big Ten West, anyone in that division, you know, used to have a far easier existence than they're about to. So anyone, even if they were already in the league, it's about to change. Uh, the things that I think make it just unique and and more challenging for any coach going in there is the roster situation. Look, Kalen DeBoer inherited some talent that was still there. Not a lot, to be clear, but he inherited some. And obviously they added Penix and off and away they went. But there was still, particularly on the defensive side in the front seven, there was still a good amount of talent there. Well, in his two years there, that staff didn't recruit worth a lick. So whoever takes over, whether it be someone internally or whether it be an outsider, they're going to have to bring it, if it is an outsider in particular, they're going to have to hope to be able to raid their existing situation and bring people with them. Because it's not just a matter of, oh, you have to replace Michael Penix or multiple receivers or even multiple defenders. That is not a reload situation at all. So just from whoever it is, they're facing a difficult situation combined with, yes, a more more daunting and challenging schedule and everything else in the Big Ten, all in combined with Washington financially, even with moving to the Big Ten, is in a relatively similar position to what it was in the Pac-12, being that it's taking the half share for the next five, six years. They're in the worst debt situation of not just the four West Coast schools. I think they're in the worst debt situation of nearly anyone in the power four or really the power two nowadays um they're, they're in a tough spot so it's not just a matter of oh well even if you did that even if you did that even if you got money okay sooner or later the money does it, 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 it's finite maybe you don't you know even if you do all those things even if you get the personnel figured out maybe you don't have the all-star staff that you want sooner or later there are limits there so that to get to the base of your question though as to who you know where should they go what should they do and far be it for the Oregon beat writer to be weighing in. You know, I, I don't want to be creating headlines or uh, uh, annoying my audience on any of this, but I can tweet it out. I mean, if I were Troy Dannon, the, the Washington AD, who's only been there for 
you know, a couple of months. Now he finds himself in a tough spot. If Ryan Grubb, if you can keep him, if you can, I'm sure Kalen DeBoer is going to want to bring him to Tuscaloosa, but if you can keep your offensive coordinator and promote from within, there's the continuity part, but again, you still have to solve the personnel part. If you can manage to pry Jed Fish away, that's a guy who has the talent that he has, looks like a team who could compete, maybe even be the favorite in the Big 12. But if he could take the top 10 guys with him, <laughs> that might be attractive if you have to go to the outside. After that, I think somebody like Barry Odom and what he did at UNLV, obviously very, very quickly. And I don't think his entire tenure at Mizzou uh, was exactly an abject failure. I think there were some points in there where it was okay, but he's clearly shown uh, both as a coordinator and now as a head coach again that he's still a pretty good coach. And I mentioned Kenny Dillingham because, you know, look, this is a, one of the top offensive coordinators in the country. I know he just spent his first year as a head coach at his alma mater, uh, but he's beginning to build something there. And, if again, if you want to go outside and you want to go young and recruiting and offense, uh, that's somebody who I think would be worth a look as well. And like I say, that's just some of them. Everybody's going to mention, you know, the Kansas and Kansas State coaches with, you know, Leipold and Kleiman. So I, I understand. But those would be the four to six names. But I'd start with Grubb because he's already in the building. James, from an Oregon perspective, uh, it seems like they've been on fire in the portal. I mean, going and grabbing Dylan Gabriel, grabbing Dante Moore, various others, and then today uh, you get Evan Stewart, plus the landing announcement just yesterday. I mean, and then all that has unfolded with Washington ever since Monday night. It's hard to, to imagine a better week for the Ducks other than them playing for the national title, but can you just kind of, I guess, speak to, I guess, whatever the momentum feels like up in Eugene, Oregon right now. Is there a sense that even though I know Phil Knight and various others have invested deeply over the years, but like this is a time where they're really putting all the chips in the middle of the table, or am I reading that wrong? I mean, they're certainly in a, in a pretty you know pretty darn good spot, uh, given all the things that you laid out and that we talked about. So for a week where you know the season's been over for them for 11 days, uh, <laughs> for, for a week where no one was practicing or playing, they had an awfully good week. Um, that said, you know, Wins in the offseason are nice. Don't get me wrong. They're real nice. They can set you up for the next year. But there's still a lot of time. You know, they could find themselves in a really nice spot right now today at the quarterback position, at the coaching position, at any number of things. They're going to be absolutely a top 10, maybe, maybe top five team entering the season next season. But the, the job ain't finished on January 12th. Uh, you know, there's there's still holes. There are still areas that this team can be better, significantly better. If they're going to try to be not just one of the 12 teams in the newly expanded playoff, but to be a team who either hosts in the first round or preferably, uh, from their perspective, you know, wins the Big Ten and has a first-round bye and is one of those four teams, you know, who doesn't get to play in the first round um, – if you're going to be at, at that area of the table, like you're talking about, you're, you're committing that kind of resources. You're, you find this yourself in this position. Uh, you have to be that level of elite. They, uh, you know, at, at any number of things, you don't, you can't have glaring weaknesses. And they had a couple of areas that they left themselves susceptible and vulnerable. And that's ultimately, that's what cost them two games to Washington in the season. And that's probably cost them a conference title and a playoff spot. Would it in a 12 team playoff? No, but, the rest of the schedule will be a little bit more difficult. So there are areas, particularly in the secondary, where they've already begun to improve a little bit, but I think they could still look to. Uh, so like I said, they, they find themselves in an awfully nice spot for 
multitude of reasons, but there's there's no resting around here for certainly for the staff, but in terms of fans and everything, yeah, like I say, they're absolutely giddy uh, with how the week has gone. How did they get Dylan Gabriel and then on top of that, Dante Moore? I think Moore laid out uh, shortly after uh, entering the portal and, and I believe spoke to one of the one of the recruiting outlets saying that you know he wanted to be developed mm. and you know maybe as appreciative as he was for the opportunity to play immediately as a true freshman uh, that you know things weren't exactly the smoothest. So how do you get Dylan Gabriel? Well, sure sounded like Oklahoma. Uh, you know, depending on what you listen to from Brent Venables, there it sure sounded like that was kind of like a well they kind of expected Dylan to probably go to the NFL. I believe is what Brent had said if I'm, if I'm quoting him correctly. Uh, that they expect him to move on after this year regardless. All right, well, you know, they're moving on, and they, they feel like they've got a young guy in Jackson Arnold they want to go forth with. So Gabriel's available. Probably there's a top transfer quarterback available. You have a one-year premier player in that position. How do you get more to come along when you're doing that? Well, if you say you want to be developed between a quarterback and Dylan Gabriel who – from what I've read, I've not had a chance to talk to the young man just yet, but from what I've read from his time, particularly at Oklahoma, was a heck of a teammate, a heck of a teammate to his fellow quarterbacks, and a coaching staff who just had, you know, by any metric in any category, either the number one or number two offense in the country in every single statistic that makes a difference, uh, sounds like an awfully nice spot. And there'll be any number of games where Dante Moore can still play four regular season games, including potentially back home in Michigan, and play, play significant time, may get an opportunity uh, if, you know, if Oregon handles business with Dylan Gabriel. And to say nothing, of like, hey, and everybody from the outside can project and say, well, obviously Gabriel's going to be the starter more as the long term, and I'm not naive enough to suggest otherwise. But we're all on the outside. I don't think you know Dante Moore is entering it immediately thinking in those terms. He might be, or you could say, you know, what, what's the worst thing that could happen? I could compete and be the backup, which I plan to be anyway. Okay. <laughs> Again, if he wants to be developed and wants it, well, he's, he's got a teammate. Like I say, by all accounts, sounds like a guy who would assist the younger quarterback, particularly since he's not worried about losing the starting job potentially. And a coaching staff who just had a Heisman finalist at quarterback. James Crepia, the Oregonian, with us on 365 Sports. Of the guys that Oregon has pulled out of the portal, which do you think, and they've made, they've had several home runs, but which do you think is the is the biggest so far? Non-quarterback. Non-quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, because, I mean, by default, you almost have to go with Gabriel in that sense. Um, yeah. After that, it's it's a smaller list, uh, to be fair, so, so far, so far. And Evan Stewart is certainly significant. Um I think that Cam Alexander of UTSA could have a chance. I haven't, you know, had a chance to go back and look at, you know, every which clip of film and ultimately some of it, the caliber of competition is hard to evaluate. But seeing some of the statistics and metrics of how he was graded, I think he has a real chance to be a significant player again at a corner position where this team needed to improve significantly at cornerback. Um, now, they added Kobe Savage from Kansas State as well. So I would pick one of those two because they they absolutely needed 
uh, a corner and a safety. And frankly, I think they probably need more than one of each uh, at this point to, to fill some spots. But I think Alexander is the one where he might have the most significant impact. Uh, but in terms of who might have the biggest statistical contributions uh, and, and come across to those on the outside who don't watch them every week is the guy who's like, wow, outside of Dylan Gabriel, this guy was what an, what an impact player. That could be Savage, but I wouldn't look past Alexander because Savage might get the stats just because he's at safety, but Alexander could could have the chance to be you know either the number one or number two cornerback on this team. They've got some talent. Don't be wrong, but you know they, their problem at corner was that you know their number one corner, who was a senior who graduated and is off to the league, you know he got hurt in both of those Washington losses and played half the season with a shoulder injury uh, in the second half of the year. Their number two corner was a sophomore who played well, but was a first-year starter. Even if you project him on in a starting spot, all right, well, you've got a JUCO transfer who was a top-end guy, and now you've got a top transfer. You're in a far better spot depth-wise today at corner if you're Oregon than you were at any point in the season. Um, so that's why I say I think Alexander could find himself in that spot, but at safety, they were losing multiple seniors as well. And that's why I say Savage is probably going to have more production but I think Alexander has a chance to be the bigger impact. James, great stuff. It's been a while since all that realignment crazy. And and then also just talking Oregon football. We appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend. And and uh, we'll watch this college football every day something happens as we move forward. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. James Crepia, the Oregonian. Dan Lanning, um, hell of a video when he produced it. And then listening to Pat Smith earlier that – Lanning was able to take advantage of that because, of, again, because of the agent, Sexton, being able to get his own people money, even whether they were contacted and or not, just because of the possibility their names came up. When we come back, we'll have yeah. Mickey Spagnola. Go. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I had a delay there. I, yeah, I, I, that's, I that's what happens typically. I mean, the Sexton game's a yearly thing now at this point. I mean, so, like, shouldn't be that surprising next year when this happens again at some job and it's like – this rep of, of or this uh, guy Jimmy Sexton reps and this guy that Jimmy Sexton reps and this guy that he reps, they're all up for the job. Imagine that. There's real concerns. They're going to leave where they are and, you know, let's get all crazy and get all these guys new contracts, which he's accomplished in one fell swoop in about 48 hours. So kudos to him. But, yeah, it's pretty clear the game that's being run there. And when you have, though, all of the top guys seemingly, then you own yeah, the market. You, you own the market and all the candidates are your guys because they're all of the top guys in the in the industry. So yeah, he's he's got quite the little deal set up there, but I know now's not the time to get into the Big Ten in Oregon, but I couldn't help but and it's way too early to start looking at next year's schedules. Like we don't need to be previewing uh, you know, four days removed from the national title game because there's so much stuff that's going to happen between now. Like I noticed Baylor just announced their spring practice dates so we at least have that stuff starting to trickle out a little bit and that's still a couple of months away at this point from even and getting there but when you look at their schedule and it up until September 14th when they play Oregon State which is now a non-conference game which would be followed by a bye week it's all pretty normal Idaho is a non-con okay they're up there in the northwest Boise State sure Oregon State, that's a bit early, but okay. Hey, bye week at UCLA, still a conference game. But then after that, it's not normal. It's 
Michigan State, it's Ohio State, it's at Purdue, it's Illinois, it's at Michigan, it's Maryland, and then at Wisconsin, and then another bye week because everybody's got two next year, and then Washington. Yeah. So it's just like... They, they, they dodged Nebraska. Yeah, they, they were able to, to dodge the, the big bad wolf in, in the uh, Big Ten. But no, I mean, it's just it's wild how it's, it's Pac-12-ish, and then boom, here it is. This is life in the Big Ten, and all these names that you see that they're going to be playing in like eight straight games... All these, you know, annual or all these uh, regular Big Ten teams. That's just going to be so weird to see them in like no mid-November at Camp Randall taking on the Badgers in Big Ten conference action. So next year is going to be wild, man. It's going to it's make me adjust my eyes oh, thinking I'm okay. seeing things because it's just so strange. I would, wait till DeBoer loses his first game. But, man, this first SEC game is Georgia, like in late. Wait September. till Bama loses yeah. four games next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, All right, I got a couple other coaching notes. Uh, go ahead. I do want to say that. So Jimmy Sexton has a really kind of remarkable rise. So he was doormates at Tennessee with Reggie White and became Reggie White's agent. Okay. And made Reggie White the highest paid defensive player of all time. Then became one of the youngest agents ever to be licensed by the NFLPA. Uh, when they, you know, so he, he did that. He has, he, he's one of the few, like usually your coaches or players, he's both. And not to mention all the coaches he has, he has Julio Jones, Laramie Tunsil, Derek Henry, Philip Rivers, Jason Witten, and Dominican Sue, guys like that. Not to mention he made his bones on Reggie White, right. the, you know, maybe the greatest defensive end to ever play in the NFL. And now like all that being said, he will never have another 48 hours. Like he did the last two, because he can name no. his new yacht the Saban. Yeah, yeah. no, he can for you're, sure. You're, that's, it's 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 it's, an, it's almost what Lee Steinberg used to have with quarterbacks back in the day, uh, which of course led to the movie with Tom Cruise and company. University of Washington. This is from Nick Daschle. If they do inquire, remember Jonathan Smith was at Oregon State. Mm-hmm. He's now at Michigan State. If he would still at Oregon State, would he? Yes. Be next in line? Yes. He has a buyout of $7 million, collected $12 million. So after collecting $12 million from Alabama for the buyout of DeBoer, Washington would have still money left over if, in fact, they wanted to do that. Now, that, that w- w- nothing would surprise me. Here's another thing on uh, La- uh, Chris Kleiman. I mentioned Troy Dannon, who's the AD now at Washington. He was the AD at Northern Iowa when Chris Kleiman uh, was there. Um, he also is the one who hired Willie Fritz at Tulane. So just, I'm not saying Fritz would go to Washington, just took the job at Houston, but he has done pretty well when it comes to hiring football coaches in his career as an AD. All right, when we come back, Mickey Spagnola, Cowboys and Packers on Sunday afternoon. This is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, two locations now. The OG, the at Lake Shore Drive in North 19th Street, and at Franklin, uh, now downtown Fra- in downtown of Franklin. Oh my gosh, I sound like I've, I've just been imbibing too much. But uh, Riverbend Liquor and Wine is one of my favorite places to go when it comes to finding that next craft whiskey that that I, I like to try. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm a connoisseur. I like to try a lot of different things, and that's a place I can go, and I always find different stuff. In fact, if I go in there with my wife, she's always like, hey, we've been in here for like 10 minutes now. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm looking. Uh, and 
I always find something different and new, and especially if it's from Texas, they've got it all. Garrison Brothers, Balcones, Devil's River. My gosh, they have so much variety. And every time a new thing comes out, they've got it there. It's uh, almost time for the spring brews. Uh, it's still in the winter, and it's going to be as cold as it has been in the whole country all year this week. So I know you're not thinking about spring brews, but if you're a beer fan, those spring brews are coming up uh, probably here in about the next month as we get into February. So check out Riverman Liquor Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street, and now in downtown Waco. It's the Start Something New sales event going on now at Allen Samuels in Waco. Say big now and get all 2024 Jeep Grand Cherokees at 10% below MSRP or all 2023 Jeep Compass and Renegades for 10% below MSRP only at Allen Samuels. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get home, Hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears! Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor Alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Samantha Duvall, TexasBeefHouse.com, farm-raised Wagyu beef, and of course, it is spectacular. We've discussed it all the time, and you were right. Back when you had that that online auction that went so incredibly well, that live auction, too, that you were going to have more and more of them, and you've got one, again, scheduled for the end of the month. Yeah, so we've got another live auction, so it'll be in person, or you can bid online coming on Tuesday, January 30th. And we're going to have dinner beforehand at 5 o'clock. We're going to have smash burgers. Um, We're also going to have some of our steaks for steak tasting. That way you can taste test it and then bid on it. And then the auction will start at 6.15. So you'll be able to bid um, at our place um, in person here in Tyler, Texas, or you can bid online at cci.live. Tuesday, January 30th. And don't forget, you can also use the code SICKEM10 for 10% off your order. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you ordered from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Well, 
Turn the page in another week of college football after the championship game Monday. Saban's retirement, DeBoer to Alabama. Norvell, Lanning, Sarkeesian, all getting paid. And uh, they were going to get paid anyway, especially Sarkey earned it, and so did Norvell and Lanning too. So um, now the question is, what does Washington do, and how does that affect the possibility of a domino effect of if they don't hire from within with Kyle Grubb? Let's say, I'm just saying this. Let's say Lance Leipold's on that. That I would call him, especially with the AD connection, or it's from somebody else. Uh, maybe Jed Fish in Arizona, whoever it might be, and then somebody else. Oh, here they go. And it just almost never, ever ends. Uh, one of the things when uh, James Creppy was talking about the power, too, I saw where Bracket Cats goes, man, they got high and mighty. He did that back even the summer of 2022. I remember he was saying, this is what it's going to, and a lot of people say that, whether it does or not, I, I don't know. Uh, Mickey's uh, in, a, in a bad spot. He said he'd be driving, so I'm not sure we'll be able to get him. But one of the things, and Craig has brought this up, and it's a great topic, whatever your team is, with the 12-team college football playoff, more opportunities, obvious, eight more opportunities to get in the playoff. How they figure it out, whether it's five and seven or six and six, that remains to be seen, but 12. What, in your opinion, chat room, text line, 254-339-1122, we're going to discuss it as well. What, in your opinion, even if you have been accustomed to 11 and ones and 12 and ones or 13 and O's or 15 and O's or 10 and twos. What, in your opinion, for your school, entering a new conference or a part of one that's adding new teams, is now acceptable of what is the standard record that you will, okay, that's pretty good. No matter what you do in the playoffs, if you get to be a part of the 12 and five, uh, the 12 team playoff. I think for, I'll just speak for ACC teams and ACC brand name teams, you're going to have to go at least ten and two and win the league to for sure get in. Uh, and then if you're ten and two and lose the league, you better hope that your resume is pretty impressive in that ten and two. Because if one of those two is, um, you know, um, a, you know, a, I'll just throw it to like Georgia Tech at four and four and eight, then. And I know they're improving, but then that's going to keep you out because we've already seen what they're going to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, for non-SEC Big Ten schools, I don't think you can afford to lose more than one game and be confident. And I think even for some of those one-loss teams, you should be okay. But I think there might be certain arrangements one year. It's it's not a it's not a question you can answer exactly because it depends on who the team is. I mean, Alabama's expectations are different than Oklahoma State's, right? So – and also the situations themselves as far as who's your coach is he on a hot seat is he somebody who's got a conference title recently in his back pocket so that gives him a couple years of kind of like just free reign to to kind of fall wherever he falls I yeah it's going to be fascinating though because yesterday's 10 and 2 is not the same 10 and 2 any longer because 10 and 2 is good but if you don't make the playoff or you know you don't win your conference title so yeah that's 
that's going to be really uh, interesting when, when that time comes. Yeah, I think it depends on the program, what conference you're in it does, and also just the uh, overall tradition, the standard of what you've expected. and You have to maybe get used to an extra loss. Not used to it, but might have to be a part of it if you get in the 12-team playoff. Mickey Spagnola, DallasCowboys.com, Sunday afternoon against the Packers. It's like the Cowboys open up every year, it seemed like, against the Giants. And it seemed like no matter what year it is with the playoffs, it's the Packers. Not always, but there's a great history there that dates back to the 60s. Mickey, uh, Green Bay, what is the what is it about the Packers that would be the biggest concern if you're a Cowboy fan? Well, I think that they're playing a whole lot better now uh, than they were playing at the beginning of the season. If you think about it, uh, they started off with a first-year starting quarterback and went two and five, and they finished the season seven and three. Uh, I think Jordan Love is playing much better. Uh, but if we look at the, the Cowboys' history at this uh, phase of the game and what the Packers did to them last year when they played in the regular season running for 207 yards, I would imagine we're going to see if they've figured out how to stop the run, but we're coming at them like they did last year in that game. Uh, and I had forgotten this until one of the players told me. They ran the ball 13 of the first 16 plays of the game. So they had two series, and they ran the ball 13 times and gained 65 yards. So I would imagine they're going to say, okay, let's see. Mickey, is there any – problems? Uh, yeah. Mickey, is there any solace that, that, I don't know, and you won't know until after the game, but the big bad wolf in Green Bay who, when it came to beating the Cowboys, especially in the postseason, Aaron Rodgers is gone. Uh, is there maybe any solace Cowboys fans can take in that? Well, I guess uh, he's gone. Bart Starr's not there anymore, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> glad at one point that Troy Aikman wasn't there. You know, it's weird. This is the ninth time they met in the playoffs, and the two teams are each won four games. Uh, the Packers won the first two, the NFL championship game. Then the Cowboys won uh, three, uh, or won that uh, ridiculous Super Bowl tournament. They played the Packers in 82, and then they won three straight uh, in the 90s. Uh, and then the Packers have won the last two uh, games that they've played in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd rather be playing a guy that's his first year starting, although I'll give you, I'll tell you what, Jordan Love, you go look. These last seven or eight games, he's only thrown one interception. So he's playing a whole lot better. So this is not some pancake that the Cowboys are playing uh, come Sunday. All right, so obviously he's playing well. What makes him dangerous? He doesn't see, although he can run, that is not what he does. He has a strong arm. He might feed it to the wrong person every once in a while, like you said, but he's in a pretty good run. What is it about him that makes him pretty good? Yeah, I, I think he, I mean, I think you mentioned it. he's got a really good arm, uh, and he's got this ability to throw, his arm is good enough that he can throw off his back foot. So you may think he's kind of out of, out of the play when he's backing up, backing up. Uh, but he can throw off that back foot and, and, and accurately, too. So uh, that and the fact that if they run the football, then that allows them to get into their play-action game uh, that's pretty good. 
Mickey Spagnuolo with us. Cowboys and Packers on Sunday afternoon at AT&T Stadium. Mickey, the Cowboys also will be as close to full health as they they, they probably can be. Tyler Smith looks like he's going to go, and Stephon Gilmore looks like he's going to go, right? Yeah, and, and really, that the, all the guys that were on the uh, injury report this week uh, came off, and the only guy that's listed as questionable is Cooper Rush with an illness, which had been going around that locker room, which I'm not sure why I was hanging out in it for a couple days. Uh, but yeah, that's it. So, uh, and the Packers got a little bit of a problem uh, with Jari uh, Alexander, their top cornerback. Uh, he sprained an ankle early in the week, and uh, he's a little iffy right now. We'll see if he's able to go. So I'm thinking if he can't go, and Stefan Gilmore is only 70 or 80 percent with that shoulder injury. That, that'll even things out at the cornerback spot. Yeah, Jay Alexander's a, a personality now. Pretty good player, but I was listening to a Green Bay writer. Uh, I don't know what segment it was, but he was saying that Alexander's been kind of maybe a little bit erratic this year. He's the one that walked out to do the captains. He wasn't even supposed yeah. to be yes. out there. Got suspended read, for a game. I, yeah, I just read that. And not, in, not only did he go out there, because you're only supposed to send three out there, so he was the fourth. But he decided that he was the one that was going to call the coin toss, like yes. make the decision. Mm-hmm. And they had already told the other guys what to do to defer, right? And he goes out there and says, we want to play defense, which that's not what you say, right? No, and, ever. And, and, and so the official goes, you mean you want to defer? And he goes, well, yeah, whatever. We just want to play defense first. And the official gave him a break and said, okay, you're deferring. Otherwise, he was going to screw up the call. And they suspended him. They said there were other issues. It wasn't just that. But they suspended him for conduct detrimental to the team. Yeah, I think he's got some – some of the bricks are uh, – some of the uh, flights in the elevator or whatever aren't all there for him. He's got a little bit of that I- uniqueness to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mickey, I would say contract detrimental to the team is almost having to kick off twice in the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. In a game – and and in a game you had to, had to win to be able to get into the playoff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mickey, I know that he has not uh, been prolific as the third wide receiver, um, you know, as far as catching the ball, but Jalen Tolbert has really turned himself into a valuable asset for the Cowboys. He's really been quite good on special teams. I I know he did catch the touchdown um, and appears to be a very willing and able blocker. Uh, What a jump from year one to year two for him as a, as to contribute to this team, I guess he'd be the fourth receiver, but to contribute yeah, to this which, team. Which is which is a good lesson for everybody to not jump to conclusion on rookies if they don't just automatically come out and become uh, a Pro Bowl player as a third-round pick in, the, in, a, in their rookie year, right? Sometimes it takes guys a while to acclimate to the NFL game. I mean, let's remember he was playing, what, South Alabama? He, he made the jump from South Alabama to the NFL. Uh, and, and I think he's showing now why the Cowboys use that third-round pick on him. He's pretty valuable, and, he, and he's starting to get good instincts. You know, we're talking to Dak and him about the touchdown pass that you mentioned. You know, it was an unscheduled play. You know, the, the, the Dak had to move around just a little bit, and he sensed, uh, Tolbert did, 
that uh, if he kept going to his right, he was going to be covered. So he stopped and he said, I went back to the left and Dak trusted me and, and to, to, to kind of sense that. And he put the ball right past the DB's ear because he wasn't looking and Tolbert's able to make the touchdown catch. So that kind of shows you not only his growth, but Dak's trust growing in him. Mickey, the uh, all-pro team was released. The Cowboys honored with, I think, was it eight players, maybe nine? Uh, and, and I know that, that the defensive, that edge rush with uh, Micah Parsons, you, you can only get two. And so it's, what, T.J. Uh, Watt and uh, Miles Garrett. So that, you know, it's hard not to think he's a first-teamer, but still being named to the Pro Bowl. Anybody in particular, because you can't have everybody, but anyone in particular you think may have been left off that shouldn't have been? You know, I thought they did a pretty good job first and second team. And I know Michael was second team, but uh, and, and I thought it was uh, really perceptive of the voters uh, to get Tyler Smith on the second team. Uh, but if you looked at the NFLPA, did their own uh, voting uh, and, and did their own all-pro team, and the only guys, if you were voting – you can only vote for players at your position or at a position you played against. Mm -hmm. uh, and Tyler Smith and Zach Martin were the first team tackle. I mean, guards, excuse me. Uh, as for answering the question, you know, Demarcus Lawrence has had a pretty darn good season, uh, and especially playing the run, tackles for losses. And I understand what happens uh, with that voting Everybody looks at the sacks and they act like the sacks are the only thing that counts. Demarcus Lawrence is the best run-defending defensive lineman, and I think you've seen it now the last two weeks at least, the plays he's made in critical situations on running plays. Uh, and, and so that's the only guy that I, I thought if you really watched the quality of his play and the plays he made, he might have should have made maybe at least the second team. Uh, but it didn't happen. But, again, when you get that many guys on, it's hard to kind of complain when you've got, I think, what, four guys on offense, or, or actually five if you include the punter making the second team, Aubrey, the kicker making first team, and then three offensive linemen and also uh, Micah. So, yeah, it, it was pretty fair, I thought. Uh, Mickey, also with Demarcus Lawrence, I mean, people who haven't followed his career probably don't know the growth as a player that he's had. But early on in his career, he was a bit of a liability against the run. And now, like you said, he's the most dominant run defender the Cowboys have. Yeah, and, I, you know, it was funny, uh, Paul. I, I reminded him, uh, I, I think it was maybe Tuesday. What? No, it would have been Wednesday after the Detroit game. And, uh, you know, Detroit was saying, well, we're going to see them again. And I, and I told Lawrence, I said, they don't want to see you again. And, I, and I, I said, do you remember what happened in your first game against them? He goes, yeah, absolutely. Well, if you remember, it was his rookie year. He missed the majority of the season. He suffered a, a, a fractured fifth metatarsal. I want to say it was either the first or second game of the season. Uh, as a rookie and he came back and they got into that playoff game against Detroit and he he recovered a fumble and he tried to pick up and run with it after he had it and he fumbled it back to Detroit right well two plays later uh, he sacked uh, he sacked Matthew Stafford 
caused a fumble and recovered the fumble. So it was first sack of his career, his first uh, forced fumble of his career, and second recovered fumble of his career. And I said, and then what you did on those couple plays towards the end of that game, I said, they don't want to see you again. And he just laughed because he remembered his rookie uh, that game, his rookie season. I'm glad you brought up Demarcus Lawrence because he, he made big plays. I know Micah gets all the attention, but he did make a bunch of disruptive and, and big plays, big moments. Mickey, uh, last thing. Dallas, we know the stretch. 95, they win the Super Bowl third and four years. And then since that time, it's been a playoff, not drought, but they haven't been to the championship game, much less even thought about a Super Bowl. If they don't get to the championship game, the NFC championship game, other than the opponent who's also getting paid, what might be the reason? Um. I think one of two things. Number one, the defense uh, falls apart, meaning they don't do a good job uh, stopping the run. Because if you look at the last uh, several playoff games that they lost, and I'm going to take you back to uh, 2018 season when they got beat by the Rams at the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. They gave up 273 yards rushing. Yep. And, and, and these last games, the, the, the teams that beat them, San Francisco, uh, ran the ball on them. So that'll be one thing. The other thing will be if the offensive line doesn't do a good job of providing uh, protection for Dak Prescott. Because you see the level he's playing and the connection with uh, himself and CeeDee Lamb uh, when he has time or if he can just move in the pocket to create time. And, and get the ball on unscheduled looks to CD, they're awfully, awfully good. So I think that's one thing because there have been times where teams have decided, uh, Buffalo did it, Miami did it. Uh, they decided we can't stop that running, uh, that passing game playing it straight. So we're blitzing. Uh, and they've got to do a much better job of picking up blitzes uh, for Dak to be able to function uh, the way we've seen him be able to function this year uh, with the second highest passing efficiency in the league. Thank you, sir. Enjoy the weekend and Sunday afternoon. Mickey Spagnola with us, DallasCowboys.com. The history of the Packers and Cowboys in the playoffs. We know about the Ice Bowl. There was also a playoff game when they uh, beat Dallas when the, the Cowboys, threw, I think, threw an interception in the end zone. And, and then, of course, there's even the catch, no catch. Aaron Rodgers, who's the tight end on the sideline? Jared Cook. Jared Cook, among many others. Did you hear the pain in my voice when in I the said history. that? Yeah, you did. All right. It's the year, Paul. It's the year. They're, well, they're it, back, it is. Back to the glory days. It, it's, it's scary to me because Texas was really good, and the Cowboys are really good. And as a fan, taking away everything else, but as a fan, mm. Makes me nervous. I think inducting Jimmy into the ring of honor may have opened up the jinx or what had been keeping them past or into the championship game. You have to be in balance with nature, man. You have to. You can't You can't be out of balance. And they were forever because Jerry was cold. Like, 
And again, now, like, that's done. You could have done it 10 years ago. Yeah, and, for real. And, like, it's one of those things. Could have done 10 years ago. You think ago. if he knew that he win one more Super Bowl, at least if he inducted in the Ring of Honor Jimmy Johnson, he would have done that 10 years yeah. ago? Yeah. He would have done it the next year. Like, yeah, had, like some sort yeah. of wizard or genie come to him and been like, listen, if you make that, maybe that's what happened. Yeah. You know, like, if you make this right, then maybe everything I, will be fine. Oh, a sip but of whiskey or bourbon, this, and he's like, whoa. This is this is what you've done. So, yeah, I, I, I think that. I also think Jerry, Jerry, and we've talked about this before. Jerry knows that, like, this is finite for him at this point in his life. He's in his 80s. Like, this is not, like, you're not going to get to say, kick the can down the road, which is for, should make Cowboy fans kind of excited about there's not going to probably be any big, gigantic teardown rebuilds if they ever have to do that no. while Jerry's there because he wants to win another one. And, you know, they are they're pretty close. They've got some... They've got one very large deficiency that is going to um, make it very hard for them to beat two of the teams that are in the playoffs, and that is beating San Francisco in the championship game if they get there. And if they do that, then beating, say, if Baltimore makes it to the Super Bowl, those are terrible matchups for the Cowboys. And these things are all about matchups, right? Because sometimes a team that you, on paper, looks way better than another one will will get mauled because the one thing the other team does well is what the other team doesn't stop. And we'll see that against Green Bay this weekend, how that matches up. And, you know, I'm optimistic about it. As I as optimistic as I have been about it, based on the Cowboys have played all year and that they're at home. But, again, it's the playoffs and things. This, you are everything an emotional wreck with all what's going on with Florida State yeah. and if the Cowboys were to make a run, or if they lose Sunday, then Bill Belichick will be the head coach of the Cowboys by sometime next week. All right, when we come back, Paul Catalina. By the way, don't forget, if you don't mind, hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the like button, or also subscribe to 365 Sports if you've not done so already. Paul's Top 5 is next. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 Kalen DeBoer replacements. Had to have a couple of these. I sadly last night worked on a Mike Norvell one. Through tears. Stop. But I didn't have to worry about it. But I was ready. I was prepared for this. Top five Kalen DeBoer replacements. Now, these are mine. I don't have any in, in, inside insight. I can't wait for two years from now when if, like Mike Norvell wins like eight games and people are begging for him to leave Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. Can't cut it in the SEC, wherever yeah. they end up. Yeah. But yeah. anyways. Oh, I'm, I'm confident. I've supported him from the beginning. Number five. Jamie Chadwell, because he belongs on every P5 list until he decides to do that and take that gig because he will win. He will absolutely win if you hire him. Now, maybe you don't want to bring him all the way across the country, but Bama's doing that with Kalen DeBoer. I honestly, I I know Liberty's paying well, and he, he probably hasn't had that opportunity open up that's the one where he would take that jump and make the big swing, but... I really do think that this is a guy that someone has to look at eventually because much like Kalen DeBoer, all he's done is win where he's been and Washington took that chance with Kalen DeBoer. I think that would be a school that would take the chance with Jamie Chadwell 
albeit they have a new athletic director, but uh, who's who may have no connection to Jamie Chadwell at all or wanting to go and grab somebody out of the lower levels. But I do think he's a great head coach, and he'll be a great head coach where he is. The furthest west he's ever been, I think, is Greenville, Alabama, or maybe well, Mississippi, I mean, or that's, uh, that's practical, East Tennessee State. That's practically San Diego. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I know I've, I've read articles because I've been wondering what's kind of the holdup, and I know there was one I stumbled across from a couple of years ago. I was talking about the NCAA violations that had seemed to followed him at a couple of stops. Um, and, I mean, you know, this year, I mean, honestly, guys, they didn't play jack squat yeah, on no. their schedule. They didn't play anybody. And, and then they finally did, and they got, you know, shoved into the locker, basically, by Oregon. So... I'm with you. I think he's a good coach. I don't know, like, why this seems to be, like, a delayed process of not getting a bigger opportunity. And maybe it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I think I just hear Paul mention it so often yeah. when, like, every single coaching search, you bring him up for, for candidacy if it's in the South. And so, at some point, that's going to break. Um, but I don't think he, really mine's changed all too much based on what happened in Virginia this past year because, I mean – that program's kind of been humming along, and you look at having Caden Salter there and, and who they played. Um, but, yeah, he, he's a guy who is going to still be mentioned with all these lists until he's at a bigger spot, and when is that day going to come? At some point, but uh, is it some point soon? That's, that's the big question. Absolutely. Number four. Glenn Schumann. Look, if they want to go the coordinator out, Glenn Schumann is the D.C. at Looks Georgia. Like Prince Andrew. Yeah, he does <laughs> look a little bit. <laughs> I don't know about the Swifties, but that looks like Prince Andrew. Or, just, pr- okay. or Prince Harry. Harry yeah, Prince yeah. Harry, yeah. that's right. Yeah, let's say not like Prince Andrew. No, that guy's no, having no, a rough. sad that I know that. Yeah, that, that guy's having a rough go. Yeah, it looks like Prince Harry, but go ahead and bring Prince Glenn, uh, one of the best coordinators in the country, uh, over and give him his first shot. Look, the uh, hiring the Georgia defensive coordinator has worked out for your biggest rival. Uh, maybe you copy it. Uh, suit there. I I thought that when I when I was waiting to hear the coordinator name for Alabama, this is the guy I was expecting to hear because he's a Bama grad. He's in that tree. He's been at Georgia. That hurts your rival. All that. Not oh Tommy Reese. You know you know they have to have an internal candidate most of the time. But I expected to kind of hear his name floated out there and didn't. Uh, so maybe again uh, this could be an opportunity for him. But he's been a, a very successful over the last couple of years taking over uh, for Dan Lanning who left and, and went to Oregon. Okay, he yeah. was actually a name that was like a long shot for Alabama. Like he, his name was not that he was going to be it, but. I saw that as if you look for any long shots at Alabama. Go ahead, Craig. Seems like a pretty safe bet to hire the guy from Georgia. I yeah. mean, uh, they're, they're kind of churning them out nowadays. But, yeah, he certainly is a, a name that we're going to hear a lot more about, especially when it comes to coaching candidacy as the farther down the tracks we go. So, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting guy to just continue to keep an eye on. And, um, I mean, Dan Lanning, I think going off and doing what he did and doing it so immediately just it's, think, makes you think that, like, all right, Kirby's the one that's going to be churning out all these guys. The, the You know, these, these I mean, think about that. All the guys that Saban churned out as far as head coach, like assistants turned to head coaches. Like, it's going to be fun to watch Kirby's tree and how all that sort of branches out over the coming years with the amount of success that they've they've already had. Number three. Ryan Grubb, which might be number one, but uh, if you're talking about the coordinator route, uh, just promote from within. This is uh, a guy who directed your very successful offense, well thought of in the area, and so we'll see. Uh, maybe this is the most seamless thing to do to keep things going, but there's going to be staff flux no matter what at Washington, but Ryan Grubb would be the, you know, keep the train of the tracks kind of a thing. Yeah, do you know Ryan Schumann went to McKinney Boyd High School? 
Glenn Schumann? Glenn Schumann, Glenn Schumann. I did yeah, not Glenn know Schumann. that. No. Yeah, Ryan Grubb is, uh, is the – yeah, he went to the McKinney Boyd High School. So I thought that was just an interesting note being here in the state of Texas. But um, – and uh, also an Alabama guy. But, yeah, Ryan Grubb, that seems to be the kind of layup here. I mean, barring – something that we aren't aware of not being right there behind the scenes but if you're trying to make this as seamless as possible and get right to work on getting your roster in order and and moving on without too much of a of a dip then that would seem to be the logical candidate ryan grubb though and DeBoer have been together a long time haven't they yeah and and but it would be great if grubb got that opportunity and he probably has earned it but yeah they've been together sioux falls fresno state washington and you wonder if that's kind of like a, a pitchers and catchers uh, uh, type uh, combination with those two. Well, I mean, at some point, though, you, no, you, I agree. you get an opportunity yeah. at Washington to yeah. be moved to the big, the year they moved to the Big Ten after a semi or a college football championship uh, final run, then, then yeah, but that is something to, to bear in mind. And Strike sure, when you're hot. Yeah, we'll be a part of the conversation. Number two, Jason Candle at Toledo. This guy's probably about to be the next guy who takes that uh, big P5 jump. Look, he's in Big Ten country, uh, and they're about to be a Big Ten team. Uh, he's a really, really brilliant coach, and keep kind of waiting for him to, to, to make that move. And Washington, at least, to me, it would bear looking at him because he is uh, an offensive innovator, among other things, and someone who could come in, and I think you could kind of play the same style if you're not ready to hand it over to Ryan Grubb. Yeah, I guess uh, he's one of those as well that uh, along with, um, what's his face, Jamie Chadwell, it's just going to be there until somebody finally says, nope, it's time. Um, I, I've read mixed reviews on Jason Candle. Uh, who was the guy we had on from Toledo after Daquan Finn committed that was like, yeah, I don't that think he's Devin, that. Yeah, Devin Gardner. Yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah The reporter right. was like, yeah. I think he's kind of overhyped and overblown, yeah. and so I don't really know what to make of Jason Candle. I won't pretend that I watch enough Toledo football to have like a really strong opinion on him. I know that I've seen his name crop up. I've read a good bit about him. They seem to have had a lot of success. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what the, the missing piece is there or if that reporter's kind of onto something and it's a little bit overblown. Not sure. Um, so I probably shouldn't talk about it too much. But, yeah, he is a guy that gets mentioned quite a bit for these openings. And, number one, I think the best guy you can hire to hit the ground running would be Jed Fish. Now, look, I know that Arizona fans don't want to hear that, but he's going to be in demand. And Jason Shearer said that the, the place he thinks he'd really go is Florida, and he might get that opportunity and you know, before he knows it. Uh, and But Jed Fish has done a fantastic job at Arizona. He's well-traveled. He's been all over, you know, he's a he's been a lot of different places as a coach. So wherever he winds up, he clearly like Tucson hit the ground running. If he wound up in Gainesville in a year, he could hit the ground running. If he winds up in Seattle, he'll probably hit the ground he running. like Gus Malzahn. A little bit. He's got the visor yeah. and the glasses. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Jed Fish to me would be the best one. Saying all white people with glasses and visors look alike is that what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, um, yeah, he's he's a really good coach. I mean, he's did a, a bang up job with Arizona, uh, you know, right out of the gates, and has created a bit of excitement with that program that I can't recall, uh, man, in a really long time that there's been kind of a buzz around Arizona. I remember like, and I know it hasn't been this long, but I, when I think of Arizona, I remember when the Desert Swarm was on the SI cover mm. year, like 30 years Who ago. Was that Dick something was the head coach. It was uh, I don't Tommy. remember. Dick told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just remember that for some reason that SI cover Desert Swarm. And um, anyways, that's that's for some reason what I think of when I think of Arizona football still to this day. But he's done a really good job. He's got a special quarterback. He's got a really good wide receiver set to come back amongst other 
talented players on that roster and plenty to, to add on to that after a really good and for a lot of people surprising run this past year. And now you move to the Big 12, but you know, we all understand, and I think we all have to be honest with ourselves and try to be that, is that there are these two conferences that seemingly have bigger bankrolls and bigger opportunities that are just going to have a little bit more of an appeal for some people. And so I think you're always going to have to be uh, on alert whenever one of those jobs opens up, you know. And so, yeah, that's something I think that Arizona fans, until that job gets filled, you got to be a little nervous because he's just a logical guy to uh, be looked at, and he's a really good coach. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Washington kick the tires if they decide to make it a prolonged or uh, non-in-house hire. All right, you cannot do top fives. And, again, you cannot use both Chadwell and Candle on the same list anymore. I know it's your top five, but I'm putting down my foot on that deal. I uh, don't care. Okay. <laughs> all right, Grayson Grunhafer, thank you for your time earlier today. Also, thanks to Pat Smith, John McClain, James Crepia, and Mickey Spagnola. Emery Winter is dialing it up. What he does is amazing for us every night, 365 Sports Tonight on the local CW. And then Garrett Ross. You haven't even thought about how much I'm going to make you pay next week with more tweets and graphics <laughs> and images and more. Great job, young man, doing what you did. For Craig Smoke and for Paul Catalina, all of our sponsors, for those of you, we appreciate you in the chat. Back Monday, Paul's Triple Option at 1, this show at 3. Have a great weekend. Good night. David Smoke, 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, 